welcome to Have a Nice Apocalypse. It's the Southland Tales Richard Kelly podcast on the Talk Film Society Podcast Network, uh, where me and my co-host talk about Southland Tales and Richard Kelly. See? Makes sense. Uh, I am Marcelo Pico, joined as always by Marcus Irving. Hello, Marcus. The the co-host, Marcus. Hi, yeah. Marcelo. Yeah, how more clear can I be? Uh, this is my co-host, Marcus Irving. Hello, Marcus, my co-host of this show. How are you? Good. I'm good. Hi, and how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Great. So, we're, we're back. Uh, this is episode 18 of Have a Nice Apocalypse. Um, this is not another chapter of the movie. Uh this ah, tricked you. Tricked you. <laughs> I think it was two episodes ago where Marcus promised uh, a stellar three-part finale uh, for the final <laughs> yeah, chapters of the film. Still putting that finale together. Oh, listen. Still uh, putting that finale together. And look, while we're here, we've got some other stuff we could do instead. Exactly. You know, it, we're not buying time. No, we have no. these better ideas. <laughs> we're not. We're not like uh, bumbling around thinking of ideas to like. No. Pat things out as we try to wrangle up great Trying cast to for the last three mildly famous people. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and I mean, we're just making more episodes uh, uh, for you, the listeners, because you yeah. you love our insight. You think we're smart. You think uh, we are knowledgeable on what we talk about. So we want to give you more of that. We've heard funny, sexy, cool. Yeah, we've heard your calls to action. We, they, they're like, hey, Marcus and Marcelo, do more shows. Don't just, well, uh, sure, you know, you can talk about the movie chapter by chapter, which is what we've, we've been doing. But no, pause, take yeah. a break. You know, uh, relax. Uh, watch like five movies in a week, and then talk about them on the show, which has become the pattern of this series now. Um, but it's all, yeah. But it's all for a purpose, okay? Uh, yes, we've been going through the movie South Until chapter by chapter, but this week, what is it, Marcus? Let's say it together. It's cons, baby. You didn't say it, with uh, me. Oh yeah, it's cons, baby. Yeah, it's con. It's the we're covering mostly, uh, or as much as we the con film festival. Yeah, so as much as we as, as much as we could in 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 a week. Yes, the Con Film Festival 2006. What? 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 Why, why, why are we talking about... Why we ta- wait, what? Why, why, okay. Yeah, why aren't we talking about... Why aren't we talking about the David Cronenberg, like, <laughs> fuck, fucking wounds movie again? <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that maybe in the future. Oh, or the, or the, the new future. George Miller film. Oh, you know, hey... Does Richard Kelly like George Miller? I'm sure he does. Has Richard Kelly watched sure Mad Max Fury Road? I, I'm sure he loves it, just like the rest of us. We'll, we'll, Willing to bet. I, I, maybe we'll do Mad Max Fury Road in a future episode. We'll, we'll somehow do that for some reason. No, 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 no. Even though, yes, cons... But when this episode is out, uh, it'll be at the tail end uh, of the, the 2022 Cons Film Festival. Uh, but as of this recording, you know, when we're uh, tonight, Wednesday, May 18th, cons is just underway. Uh, Tom Cruise just showed, t- uh, uh, um, I was going to say Tom Cruise Maverick. That's not the movie. Top Gun Maverick. 
uh, <laughs> where he got you know a standing ovation for five minutes. Apparently, uh, he had a spe- he had a special interview where they gave him a, a an honorary palms door. Palm the door. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so cons is is underway here in the present, but no, we're gonna take it back uh, sixteen years, Marcus. So I'm gonna ask you, Marcus, why yeah. why are we going all the way back to 2006? Why? Well, 2006 was a very special year in the life of uh, our Lord and Savior, Richard Kelly. Uh, This was, of course, the year that his magnum opus, Southland Tales, um, which we have discussed at length and will continue to discuss at length in the future. uh, This is the year that that film, Southland Tales, premiered at Cannes Film Festival. Yes. um, To... Uh, one of the most notoriously bad uh, reactions a film has ever gotten there. Absolutely, yes. Uh, an, an infamous moment uh, in the life of, uh, I guess, Richard Kelly. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the right sense. Uh, in film history. <laughs> in film history. <laughs> an infamous night in film history. Um, no, I, it, it's... Uh, uh, I I shared because a friend of mine shared this list with me yesterday, and on the Talk Film Society Twitter page, I shared the list as well. Uh, Variety published a list of 22 films that were uh, booed and walked out of uh, at cons, and that list yeah. is long. I, I I I think I think you saw that list, uh, uh, Marcus, but that list is long mm-hmm. uh, with movies that are actually good. Um, and it's very yeah. telling. It's very telling that uh, uh, Southland Tales got booed, and yet here we are, sixteen years later, almost to the day, because the anniversary uh, just happened. If you're listening to this uh, on the twenty eighth or around there, the anniversary of Southland Tales premiering at Cannes uh, is the twenty first, I believe. So or the twentieth, yeah. it, it's around there. Um, uh, so yeah, it's around there. South yeah. and Southland is not the only movie from two thousand six to be on this list, and there's also multiple Palme d'Or winners on this list. So it's it's not a bad group to be a part of. Do you want to? Okay, what do we do here, Marcus? Because usually, <laughs> usually, what we do before we get into the thing we talk about is we goof off for a bit. And I kind of really want to get into cons already. So should I reel it back? Should I just yeah. like? Should, should, uh, maybe that was a good setup. It's like yes, we'll talk about. Cons 2006. We'll talk about some movies that were booed at cons. We'll talk about Southland Tales and maybe get into the mindset of the of the people watching it back then and why would they why would they boo you know Southland Tales a movie we think is is amazing. You know that's all on the table this episode. But first, <laughs> hey Marcus, yeah, what are you drinking? <laughs> yeah, you were you were very excited about this, uh, Marcelo. Um, I, I, not not much over here. I've got water and Mountain Dew. Uh, I've got nothing special up my sleeve, but it sounded like it sounded like maybe you did, Marcelo. Yeah, um, and now I realize I can't remember if you drank this uh, on uh, on the show previous. Uh, but for new listeners, and I don't know why you'd want to start with this episode. Go back and what you know, listen to our early episodes or the ones we have great guests on. But uh, yes, this is this is our segment now running. At the beginning of each show, where we talk about what we drink, and usually, it's been Marcus lately that brings on um, alcoholic drinks or oddities. I, I would say, like the Mountain Dew, uh, uh, the hard Mountain Dew drink that has alcohol in it. You had that yeah. on the show. Yeah. 
uh, semi-recently you had the Topo Chico uh, drinks, uh, the the hard uh, seltzer Topo Chicos. Uh, and on that note, I have my own hard Topo Chico drink, which again, I don't know if you did this or not, Marcus, but tonight I'm drinking a Topo Chico ranch water hard seltzer. So it's Ooh, so that that tastes like ranch. See, here's the thing. Uh, I, it wasn't until this past year that I found out what ranch water is. Uh, ranch water is just a drink you have at a bar that I think is basically like tequila and club soda. Um, and mm. this is a, it, this is essentially essentially that. I haven't had any yet, folks. If it sounds like I'm drunk, it's just because I'm a little bit tired. Uh, it's agave and real lime juice uh, with Topo Chico, of course. So, uh, I've had a few of these already. Uh, I'm going to have at least two or three tonight. And I have another beer in the fridge. Not, not really a beer. More like a, a, a special alcohol drink that I'll have in the next segment. So, how about that? So, that's, uh, that's why I'm excited, Marcus. Because I ended up going to uh, uh, the liquor store a week ago. To buy uh, some drinks, and this is what I got. So I'm gonna crack one open. Well, ah, hear that? Ooh, gonna take a sip. Crack. My review is it's not that bad. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's nothing to get excited about. Ranch water, um, very very simple drink. But no, that sounds gross. <laughs> and I'll say, like the first ranch water I had, I don't remember the. The uh, the company who makes it the the, the bottling company, um, it was like it, it was not Topo Chico. It was like something else, and it was much worse than this Topo Chico uh, variety. So my recommendation is, if you want to get ranch water, uh, I say go with the Topo Chico brand uh, ranch water. So that's my that's what I'm drinking tonight, Marcus. That that's that's what I was excited to share with you and the listeners is I'm drinking ranch water. Well, I, 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 I don't want to speak for all the listeners, but I got to say for me, that absolutely lived up to the hype. And uh, it's kind of got me juiced a little bit, Marcel. Okay, to, don't, that's disgusting. To really tear into these films <laughs> that we're about to talk about. Uh, uh, juiced, eh? From the 2006 Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> oh, before that, hey... Uh, uh, and I and I remember and I remember. No, yeah, fuck it, we're not doing that yet. Not yet. No, no, something no. Else. There's something else. <laughs> we gotta talk about Richard Kelly. We gotta talk about Southland Tale News. Oh, Richard Kelly. We, we gotta get into it, Marcus. We we do this at the Richard. start of every episode. Okay, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna turn to you now. Mm-hmm. So I just gave. I just. I that was my magic for this uh, opening segment. Ranch water. Now I'm gonna turn to you, Marcus, since I know you're prepared. What's you, uh, you know? Here we go. Let's open up the Richard Kelly news desk. <laughs> Marcus, what's the news with Richard Kelly? Well, um, usually uh, for the Richard Kelly news, um, I just go to his Twitter and read what his recent tweets are. But the man has not tweeted since last we covered his tweets. Oh no. So, I'm just going to Google Richard Kelly news and see what I find. <laughs> that, is, that is similar to a segment on a podcast I've been listening to lately, which I will not share. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Where they just type in something in the news 
box on Google and just read what's happening. People also ask, what was the ending of Donnie Darko about? <laughs> At the end of the movie, we know Donnie sacrifices himself in order to bring the jet engine classified as the artifact per Sparrow's book from the Tangent Universe where it belongs in Donnie's original reality, as Donnie has been chosen as the living receiver. So, is Donnie Darko just a dream? Donnie Darko is a film created around popular science fiction phenomenon, but it is very much held together by the characteristics of dreaming that separate dream realities from waking ones. Uh, the film explores ideas of alternate dimensions and time travel through the lens of dream states. Uh, so is that good for you, Marcelo? Was that good? I've got some uh, news here. Donnie Darko. I've got some news. <clears throat> so I put in Richard Kelly... Uh, in the uh, in the Google search box and clicked on the news tab. The first one that comes up: Richard Kelly obituary, nineteen forty to two thousand twenty-two, Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, passed away of natural mm. causes on May thirteenth, two thousand twenty-two. So rest in peace, Richard Kelly. And next bit of news: uh, Southland Tales. Why it's Hollywood's most interesting failure. An article by Collider from two weeks ago. Interesting. They're trying to yeah. uh, 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 get on our coattails, Collider. Yeah, exactly. Those cowards. Get in the line. Get, yeah, yeah. Uh, next bit of news. Richard Kelly wins Clinton... Con- sorry. <laughs> Richard Kelly wins Clinton <laughs> County what? Sheriff's Republican primary. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Wow, good for good him. Good for Richard Kelly. Good for him. So, uh, this one I'm going to click on. Here we go. Richard Kelly has won the Republican nomination for Clinton County Sheriff. Uh, Rich, oh, I guess this this uh, who's who's saying this? WLFI.com news from where you live. Okay, um, it's a local news website. Uh, they must be real buddy buddy with Richard Kelly because they call him Rich. Rich received 58% of the total votes against his opponent, Mark Mitchell. Uh, to see results hey, of the primary, let's see, click here. I'm clicking here, election results. Uh, interesting. Let's go through all these results now, Marcus. Now I'm joking. I think that's enough. Um, I'm going to scroll down so, here. Uh, oh, congratulations yep. <laughs> on becoming sheriff and dying, Richard <laughs> Um, uh, uh, if I scroll down further on this Richard Kelly news uh, Google search, uh, Lady Gaga's favorite horror movies. Uh, we, we talked about this on the show a few weeks ago. Um, I because we yeah because uh, uh, Richard Kelly was uh, mentioned because Donnie Darko was mentioned uh, in that Lady Gaga Jake Gyllenhaal interview right from a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to hear. Uh us doing a, a reenactment based on a transcription of that interview. Uh, you can go back a couple episodes and listen to that. It's Absolutely. very entertaining. It's inter- it's the best thing we've ever done. Um, all right. I think I, so. I think, I think that's enough. I, I, I think we've covered news. The people got what they wanted. Um, now I think what, what I think we should do is we, we should go back to cons. We, we've been sidetracked far enough. What, what do you want to do first? Do, I, I kind of want to go down this list uh, of, of, uh, yeah. of, of 22 movies. Just, 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 is it 22? Yeah. There's 20. No, uh, this variety list of 22 movies that were booed and walked out on. Uh, I, oh, I, yeah, yeah, I want to sure, go back sure, to sure. that. Cause as I was saying, cause I was so hyped to, to, to talk about this. 
and we had to talk drinks and, and Richard Kelly for a bit, but now we're back, so here we go. Um, like I said, you know, these movies, some of these movies are now like cult classics, or they were always considered good, and for some reason the cons audience just, they like booing things. They, I guess the French just like sharing their emotions more than any other country. I don't know. Like, uh, that's awful of them. Yeah. I'm sure there is, there are instances, Marcus, where you watch even a great movie and you think maybe one or two things are like, not so great. I mean, are you going to boo that movie? No. Right. No, not out loud. Let me ask you this. I'll wait until I'm in my car and I'll start (laughs) booing. Let me ask you this. Has there ever been a moment where an audience you were with, um, either booed or maybe snickered or maybe made loud noises at a movie, Marcus? Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I've definitely been in a theater where, uh, where people have like laughed at a movie, like, uh, uh, the end of, uh, uh, the ones in, per- the one in particular I'm thinking of is, uh, it comes at night that, Joel Edgerton, oh, yeah. kind of forgotten movie from a few years ago. I remember that. And as soon as that movie ended, like some guys like said that was a piece of shit, and everybody else in the theater laughed, and they went on their way. I like the movie. Yeah, I I, I like the movie I didn't too. Appreciate it. Um, that movie was covered this week, uh, or I guess last week uh, when this comes out, um, by our sister podcast, um, Double Edge Double Bill, on their A twenty four episode. Um, what a weird coincidence! <laughs> yeah, what what were we talking about? <laughs> oh, the, uh, <laughs> it, gonna, we're going to talk about the movies that got booed at con. Yeah, we, we were talking about it comes at night because people were laughing and yeah, and I, I've yeah, I, yeah 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 I've I've had that too. I, I I actually think at the end of No Country for Old Men, uh, people in the audience when the movie ended, they were snickering. One of them said that was the worst movie I've ever seen or something, which is insane, um, incredible. But speaking of outrageous reactions, uh, let's go through some of this. Uh, some of these movies that were booed or walked out on at cons. Let's go through this quickly. The House That Jack Built from 2018. Did you see that, Marcus? Freaky, freaky fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a movie that is is brutal to watch. Um, it, it is it is it is an excruciating experience. Uh, I still don't really know what I think of the movie. Um. Was that was oh my gosh was that one that had people fainting like uh th- th- there were like a few movies in a row where it may have been at cons or another film festival where just people were fainting after it or during I, the movie I understand it I yeah. would understand that uh it is a very violent movie they show you a hell of a lot and uh don't really shy away from much uh I mean it's kind of like a black comedy in some ways but it's still pretty haunting yeah uh, at least in my head this variety i get it yeah but i think it's a good movie but yeah yeah i think it's a good movie this uh, this variety uh uh, blurb uh says by the time the end credits had stopped rolling the balcony of of the theater was reportedly half empty so there we go that's how many walkouts there were for this the house that Jack built, Lars von Trier, a uh, good guy. Um, 
the brown bunny. I've never seen it, but apparently no, but that's another infamous one. Yeah, that's that, another like well-known, like worst movie that ever premiered at Cannes thing. You know, a- according to Roger Ebert, who I've read some uh, cons reports this week, because um, uh, he was always great with like uh, doing quick reviews of movies he, he saw at film festivals. And I read some of his breakdowns for some of the movies we're talking about in this episode. Uh, but he, I believe, um, uh, said uh, Brown Bunny was the worst one he's seen at cons, or maybe the worst yeah. one that got the biggest negative reaction. Uh, and, oh, yeah. And, and reading through this, he does say, or it does say that Roger Ebert and the director, uh, Vincent Gallo, uh, were in a public dispute after Roger Ebert called the film, yeah, uh, the worst film in the history of cons. So there you go. Yeah, confirmed. Uh, so yeah, I I mean, what's the one thing you know about it, Marcus? What's the one thing you know about Brown Bunny? The the people <laughs> hated it at cons and that it has like unsimulated sex scenes, I think. Yep, yep. And that they actually branded the main actress, I believe. What? I didn't know that. Camera. Okay, that, that first, I did yeah. not know that. That's insane. Um, but yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. It, 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 it may, it might be one I'll eventually see, but uh, yeah, probably like you, I'll. I'm, I'm also just under the impression it's just one of those outrageous movies that were spooked at cons, and that maybe that's the only thing I'll ever know about it. You know, uh, uh, um, personal shopper. Yeah, I've not seen this, but I imagine you have. I have seen it. Uh, it's very slow, um, but very good. I think it's a very good um, has has a great performance by Kristen Stewart, a very a very moody ghost story. I can see why people would not like it. I don't again. I don't know why people would boo it. It says here uh, the boos were delivered at uh, at the final credits uh, as the final credits rolled. Uh, the audience delivered the boos, uh, which is not a satisfying ending. I, don't know. I, I mean, it is. I mean, come on, it's. It's a, it's an Oliver Isaias movie, which I mean, if you look them up, uh, it's a very polarizing filmography. I think uh, not for like the average film goer. Um, this movie, Personal Shopper, again, I, as I said, very moody, very slow, not hugely satisfying. I don't think that's a spoiler, but I can see why people would boo it. Uh, oh wait. We got yeah. here the next couple, Taxi Driver and Wild at Heart. Those both won the Palme d'Or the in their respective years, which is which is and, wild. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, they're two uh, bona fide classics, especially Taxi Driver. Again, I don't, I don't know why. I mean, I can again, I get political I think assassinations, probably. Maybe it's maybe. Uh, do the French not like? Hyper violence or hyper sex in their movies, is that is that what's going on? Because that like, can't be right, right? Didn't 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 last year's winner? Isn't that like all that is? Uh, Titan or whatever. I'm gonna look that up uh, just to make sure. I, th- I think you're right that Titan won. Uh, but it but that movie. Yeah, it does have it does have extreme violence. I don't know. It again. This this is something I'm. I, Again, maybe at the end of the episode, we have to answer the question, why would they boo Southland Tales? And this is just our research. More extreme violence and sex here. Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me, Crash, Irreversible. Yeah. Um, I have not seen Crash, but, uh, you know, Fire Walk With Me, I could understand. I mean, that's a, that's a movie that kind of 
uh, asks you to have a lot of knowledge that maybe a lot of people there did not have. Um, and then also is kind of obscure on top of that and is pretty horrifying <laughs> with some of its imagery. Uh, Subject irreversible matter, is yeah. a, uh, irreversible is a movie I've seen. One. I've seen once and will never want to see again. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm dreading seeing Gaspar Knoll's, uh, next movie. Well, he has two movies out this year, actually. Uh, Vortex is one. I forget the name of the other one, but I think Vortex is the one about, uh, two older people and one of them has dementia. Yeah. Yeah. Not, no, that one. I'm not doing it. I saw it. <sighs> I, don't need it. I don't need it. Yeah, exactly. It, it looks like <laughs> another, I mean, speaking of cons, I think Amor, uh, won the, 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 the Palm yeah. door the year it came out. It did. But, uh, but yeah, this, the, the new Gaspar Noel movie, uh, I, I, it's playing at my theater this weekend. I know I'm going to see it cause I love Gaspar Noel. Um, and Irreversible is one I'll never see again, but I respect it as a film. Um, I love the other movie that's on this list that's that, uh, that he directed too, and I'll talk more about it yeah. as we go. But let's keep going. Tropical, keep uh, Tropical Malady. I've never seen it. Never even Malady. heard of it. I have no idea. No idea. Uh, Marie Antoinette. We'll talk about that later. Uh, later. Southland Tales. We'll talk about that later. Talk about uh, later. Antichrist. Antichrist. Yay! Uh, good movie. Uh, another like a, another Lars von Trier movie. Again, hyper violent, uh, hyper sexual. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, okay, what's the deal, uh, France people? French people? There's there's a lot of prudes in the audience. I'd imagine that that's the thing. You said it, Marcus. I think it's I think they're they're full of prudes. Okay. The the, yeah. the damn French. Okay, let's keep going. Enter the Void. More Gaspar Noel. Again, I think I think Enter the Enter the Void is the best he's done. It's the reason why when he has a movie out, I'll see it. Um, but I can totally see why people would boo this one because it's yeah, it's, it, that's yeah. the most excruciating experience I've ever had watching a movie. I truly do not like Enter the Void. I I I complete opposite. I love it. I, I it was one of the first movies I saw when I moved to Austin, and it's and it's stuck with me since then. Uh, really mind blowing experience. So uh, hey, uh, uh, you're more like a cons audience at this point, Marcus. You, it seems like it. Yeah, you would boo Enter the Void. Um, uh, but you wouldn't. I don't think I would boo it. You wouldn't boo the Tree of Life, though. I think you'd like that movie. Absolutely not. No, that's in like my top. 10 movies of all time. Exactly. It also won the Palm d'Or that year, uh, very deservedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an incredibly beautiful movie. Um, it, it says here uh, in this Variety article, um, there were scattered members of uh, at its first... Uh, sorry. Scattered members at its first screening uh, were booing, and many supporters of the movie pushed back with counter-applause. So there we go. Um uh, and oh, you know, uh, I, I should say quickly with the, Marie, the with the Marie Antoinette one, uh, and we'll talk about the movie later. But just the the reaction there. Apparently, there were mild boos at Marie Antoinette. Roger Ebert cleared that up. It's like it wasn't like totally booed out. But yeah. you know, maybe some of these were like light boos. Maybe they were like uh, maybe just a small percentage percentage yeah, of the audience right. were booing. So. Uh, keep that in mind, folks. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's just like the same ten people booing, you know, all these films <laughs> the last like you know thirty years. So, 
but what about the paper boy oh that movie is one of the worst movies i've ever seen so i yeah i i really don't like it it's one of the rare movies on letterboxd that i rate half a star um really really terrible uh i do want to see it i have some sort of fascination with it you should see it you should Uh, see it I will watch it at some point, uh, but I have not seen it. Uh, Holy Motors is one that uh, I found inscrutable the first time I saw it. But second watch, yeah. but with the second watch, I liked it. So, uh, you know, uh, for me, uh, maybe, maybe if I was in France, maybe if I had the reaction I had after seeing it the first time, maybe I'd boo it. Just to, to that, maybe I was peer pressured into it, Marcus. Maybe I, I hear the boos. Maybe I kind of feel the same way, and I boo myself. Maybe that. Maybe, I, maybe it's like rolling boos, Marcus. You don't know what you do in this situation. I saw Holy Motors <laughs> at like sixteen or seventeen or something. And How'd that go? Had had no. I just heard like good news from it from like cool Twitter film Twitter people that I liked at the time. And, uh, I think that's a movie that probably, uh, requires you to have knowledge of Leo Kara or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to understand it. And I did not understand it. I didn't, I didn't say I disliked it at the time and I have not watched it since, but like, it was just kind of like an underwhelming experience for me. I'm, I'm with you. That's that's why uh, I said it was pretty inscrutable for me because there are certain things I just did not get, and I I kind of got it more yeah. the second time. It it does again. This is I mean we'll cover it on this show when we talk about Holy Motors for some reason. Maybe Richard Kelly liked that movie too, um, but yeah, I, th- I think the theme for me sticks out more the second time. So I don't know. I, I, if you ever get to see it a second time, uh, maybe keep an open mind. That's my only thing to say and and, hey Annette is a lot better I love Annette Annette is is is, uh, in my top 10 from last year so there you go only God forgives now this one um is I mean hey it's it's your boy uh Nicholas Winding Refn and your other boy Ryan Gosling I mean you yeah you must love only God forgives Marcus nope (laughs) what (laughs) wait a second (laughs) you don't like only God forgives I Absolutely, I would have been booing the shit out of this movie. <laughs> that that one, I would have been. You know what? I get it. I, oh, what? Look, no. I, I come on. I just thought Drive was super cool, and this movie is like a very clear fuck you to people like me who just thought Drive was super cool. And at this point in my life, I respect that. I want to watch the movie again uh, with that lens. I think that's a cool move. For a filmmaker to do, honestly. And, but at the time, I was just like, no, fuck you. Like, this is like, you're, I can tell you're like doing the opposite of what everybody would want you to do, uh, you asshole. <laughs> but, no, okay. yeah. You know, I, I understand your viewpoint, but I do like that movie a lot. I, uh, I've only seen it once, though. Uh, and maybe I came, sometimes I come into a movie when I know. There was already a negative response to it, and I tell myself I, I didn't. I was just like so overly hyped for that movie oh, too. See, it's yeah. like of what it was going to be uh, the the meeting of that director and star again. Yeah, maybe my expectations were right in place to watch a movie that I knew was polarizing, and sometimes mm-hmm. when that happens, I respect 
like the filmmaker for just going against the grain and kind of saying fuck you to the audience so that 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 was me coming into only god forgives i do need to give it a second watch maybe it won't hold up the second time so yeah that that's that's my take on it but i respect your take marcus i would not have booed with you i would have respected your boo okay uh, uh, Grace of Monica. Never seen it. Probably never see it. Uh, Nicole Kidman. Yeah. What are you doing? You're the second time seems, I've seen you on this list. Come on. Seems like a kind of like just like the most boring kind of bland movie, and it's probably just like overall quality that gets it here. Like it's just like it's kind of a, uh, probably not deserving of being at the festival. Is what it seems like to right. me. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it says here in the Variety article, uh, the festival took off and quickly came crashing down to earth on Wednesday when Grace of Monaco earned boos and hisses from a rightfully irritated press at the morning screening. Hisses. You ever hissed at anything, Marcus? <laughs> I've never hissed <laughs> at a movie. Hiss? I can guarantee that. <laughs> Let's move on. Lost River. Speaking of Ryan Gosling, I've never seen Lost River. Yeah. Marcus, have you seen Lost River? Okay. Yes. This this was a couple years after Only God Forgives, I believe. This was Ryan Gosling's uh This is one year later debut. One year later. Yeah. And uh I liked it a good deal at the time. It, it's like a very it's a very bizarre, very uh kind of just you have to go with it kind of thing like where it's got its own language and 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 uh and whatever like i i it's 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 completely its own thing and it's kind of like uh a very slow artsy movie that's like uh doing nothing but using metaphors constantly I don't know. It's visually very arresting. I think uh, Christina Hendricks is in it. Um, it's a weird, weird movie. I would recommend. Matt Smith is like so fucked up in it. Uh, yeah, I, I, you should definitely watch it. Um, I'll, I'll give I, it. A I, shot. I wish Ryan Gosling would direct again. I, I, I liked it a lot. It's it's kind uh, of a bummer. I just had this realization going through this list this morning. Um, because he hasn't done anything since, right? Uh, dir- no. Directorial wise, I wonder if it has to do with no. this, with, with this, with the response at Khan, where he he. I mean, I mean uh, imagine. I mean, we make jokes, Marcus, on this on the show. We we make jokes, but in all seriousness, imagine being a filmmaker, uh, look, even like a first time director like Ryan Gosling. Having your movie premiere at Con, you know, expecting the, the you know the best, uh, you know, of course, like what what else are you gonna do? And then having your movie booed and hissed and called a train wreck, yeah, that'll do something to your self esteem. That will make you want to I, not I, direct I, for a while. I can, yeah, exactly, and it can make you fall back on. Well, hey, people like me as an actor. I'll just keep doing this. It's okay. I don't need to direct. Yeah, I feel like the same thing has happened with uh, Ben Affleck, where. Uh, the third movie he made, uh, or fourth? Um, it's the fourth movie. Wait, so he yeah, the fourth he movie. did uh, Gone Baby Gone, The Town, Argo. Yeah, and then uh, and then the fourth one is um, Live by Night. Yes, yeah. And I like, Live by Night. Suck shit, bad movie. Not good. Uh, but I still want to see him make movies. But it seems like it has totally killed his directing career for whatever reason. That and partly Batman playing the role of Batman kind of took, yeah. took it out of him too. Yeah, it, it's a bummer. I, I agree with you. I mean, he should direct more Affleck. 
Um, uh, yeah. And I, I hope he does soon. Uh, sea of Trees is the next one on the list. I've never seen it. I, I do remember the back. Nope. I do remember the backlash. Uh, yeah. Gus Van Sant, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, I I don't know. It's it's one I'll probably never see. Uh, I'm I, I'm okay. And Matthew McConaughey again, another actor showing up on the list, like Ryan Gosling and Nicole Kidman. I think Willem Dafoe is two on here too. Wow, it's uh, it's an honor to have all of these actors on this list. Um, skipping ahead, hey, another uh, winding reference movie, Neon Demon. What do you think about that, Marcus? Neon Demon. I've not seen it. Oh, you should see it. I, 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 yeah. I think it's better than Only God Forgives, um, if only because uh, Elle Fanning is fantastic. Uh, the 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 visuals are amazing. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm interested to, to, to hear your take whenever you see it. Um, and finally, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, a movie I love. Uh, maybe my favorite Yorgos Lanthimos movie. Um, I, I, I I think I put it on my top 10 of that year. Uh, I still think about it every once in a while. Nicole Kidman shows up again. My God. Um, but she's actually in a great movie this time. It, uh, and Con Farrell is in this. and uh, Barry Cogan. What a cast. What a, what a filmmaker. Have you seen this movie, Marcus? No. Uh so good I, I will say and this is not this is not a spoiler I can see people being turned off by the end of the movie because it does something that on the face of it is super strange maybe leaning towards camp but I think it works and if you know you know the filmmaker Yogos Lanthimos you kind of that's kind of his style he does this sort of the, the same sort of thing like the favorite and the lobster uh, so, Killing of a Sacred Deer, along those lines, and Khan's audience, Khan's uh, audience people are they're, are idiots, Marcus. I think that's what we that's what we can say here, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, now I want to see the list of the movies they 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 gave standing ovations to. I mean, is 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 that gonna, is that list going to hold up? Did they give a standing ovation to X Men: The Last Stand? <laughs> what? <laughs> Was that there? <laughs> no, yeah. This is this is me, uh, 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 kind of like transitioning to the 2006 Cannes Film Festival because yes, X Men: The Last Stand played oh, okay. at the 2006 Cannes Film Festival. A movie that Richard Kelly could have directed. Oh, I wonder how he felt uh, being at the Cannes Film Festival and having you know a movie he directed and chose uh, uh, you know. Versus the movie he didn't, you know, didn't end up choosing, playing at the same film festival, X Men: The Last Stand. Here's here's what's gonna ha- here's what's gonna happen in the next segment, Marcus, and I'm I'm gonna take us to a break here. Um, next segments, we'll talk about the movies that were in competition, uh, along with Southland Tales, at the 2006 Cannes Film Festival. We've seen a few of them. We didn't see all of them. There are too many. Um, we'll talk about those films. And we're going to be the cons jury, Marcus, you and I, okay? We're, we're going ha- to hand out our own palms door, okay? It's the have a nice apocalypse palm door, okay? At the end of the episode, we're going to hand it out after we talk about these movies. Are you excited, Marcus? Yeah, I am. I am very excited. Uh, I, I've never actually ha- handed out an award before. <laughs> this, this is... This is uh... 
This is real. Oh, this is cool. <laughs> you're, you're, you're gonna be part of the. You're, you're gonna be part of a jury. We're, we're gonna we're gonna deliberate. We're gonna give the best actor, the best director, the the Palm d'Or, a special jury prize. We're gonna do all of that on the next segment. Okay. Yeah. So okay. so get ready. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun. So, so we're gonna take a break, and we'll be back to talk in depth about the 2006 Cannes Film Festival. We'll be back. And we are back. Okay. <laughs> and we are back. Uh, here to talk about the 2006 Cannes Film Festival, where, of course, Southland Tales uh, premiered. Southland Tales being the focus of our entire <laughs> fucking show. Here. So, uh, Marcella, before we get into anything, yeah, um, I think I'm just going to name all of the 20 movies that were in competition. Um. And then uh, we'll go from there. We did not watch all twenty of this movie of these movies. We cherry picked which ones we wanted to watch most and watch those. Yeah. Uh, and when you hear the list, it'll probably be very obvious which ones we did pick. Yeah. Okay. Now, so uh, we have before you before uh, uh, before you jump into it, I will say um, I mentioned in the last segment that um, X Men: The Last Stand played at Con, but played out of competition. Uh, I do want to touch yeah, on like the opening movie. Yeah, I think I believe blockbuster thing. Uh, the Da Vinci Code was the opening movie that also oh. played out of competition. Some of the other movies playing at cons that were notable out of out of competition and also in the other category of uncertain regard. You know, it was Paris J. Tami, which is like a like a big anthology movie with a bunch of directors. Yeah, uh, Scanner Darkly. Uh, that's notable because mm-hmm. um, uh, Richard Kelly also had another movie, which we'll talk about in the festival. In, in Richard Linklater. Sorry, who I who who I say Richard <laughs> Richard Kelly? He said Richard. Kelly. <laughs> Richard Linklater. Uh, imagine if Richard Kelly directed Scare Darkly. That would have actually made sense. Yeah, um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say I I uh, I, I think I, I, uh, this might be controversial. I think. I think uh, I would swap uh, those movies around, and I would have put Skinner Darkly in competition. Ah, and you would have put uh, uh, Southland Tales under uncertain regard. Interesting. Sure. <laughs> 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 um, and also out of competition, um, Short Bus by John Cameron Mitchell, uh, which I think was also... Uh, not a, a big hit with critics. Uh, that also played out, out of competition. United 93 played out of competition. So, oh, and, and I'll mention this. Um, I sent this to Marcus and got no response, but I'll mention it on the show. Another thing that I think was was insane to think about, that this made its premiere at the Con 2006 Film Festival, mm. Borat yeah. in the infamous One Piece Borat bikini. Um, that premiered. He did a photo shoot on the beach at Cannes and lit the world on fire. Um, I mean, where were you, Marcus, when you saw the pictures of Borat <laughs> in that one-piece green bikini uh, on the beach? I uh, probably in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, uh, <laughs> I can't really remember seeing it. Before. I don't have vivid memories of that. Okay, well, I, I... Do you? No, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, Clerks 2 played out of competition, and also uh, an, yeah. an Inconvenient Truth. 
the Al Gore uh, uh, global warming documentary played at the festival. And I think that's all I'll say about what played other, you know, what played outside the competition uh, category. Uh, yeah, that's it. So now we're going to focus on the movies that were in competition. This is it, baby. Marcus, yeah. take it away. Yeah, so uh, the 20 films uh, that played in competition were Babel, The Cayman, Charlie Says, Chronicle of an Escape, Climates, Colossal Youth, Days of Glory, The Family Friend, Fast Food Nation, Flanders, Lights in the Dusk, Marie Antoinette, Pan's Labyrinth, Red Road, The Right of the Weakest, Southland Tales, <laughs> Summer Palace, uh, Volver, When I Was a Singer, and The Wind That Shakes the Barley. Ooh, okay. Listeners, have you guessed which ones we watched? <laughs> I, I hope you picked the right one. Get your one. guesses in now. <laughs> Get your guesses in. <laughs> Write them down okay, on a piece so- of paper, fold it up, and then reveal <laughs> it at the end of the episode to see if you're right. Marcelo, we kind of just uh, picked through these movies and figured out the ones we wanted to watch most. Like we, we picked the most notable ones, the ones that have had some sort of lasting impact, at least in American culture, have made their way over here, were nominated for Oscars and such, are still talked about. Like stuff like The Cayman and Charlie Says. I've never heard of these movies, but I did try to do my due diligence. I I did search out. Um, every single one of these movies and oh, wow. based on, on yeah. iTunes, I didn't do like a very thorough search, but I basically couldn't find access to any of the other ones. Um, <sighs> then the six that we watched and, uh, it's kind of a bummer. Cause a, a few of them I did want to see like, uh, summer palace sounded really cool to me. Uh, red road is Andrea Arnold's like first or second movie. That sounded cool. Uh, I don't know. Lights in the dust kind of kind of neat to me. Did anything else stick out to you here on this list besides the ones we watched? Well, lo- yeah, lo- looking through it, and you did more research than me, Marcus, because I didn't even try to find the other ones. Uh, no disrespect to the other ones, but it, it is a bummer that like none of them were readily available or as available as the ones we'll talk about in this episode. Um, but yeah. but looking through the list, like uh, the f- the family friend. By Paolo. Oh, yeah, that's that's directed by uh, past guest uh, Sarah Sarantino's grandfather. (laughs) Grandfather? He's not that old. He's 51 years old. (laughs) But uh, Paolo Sorrentino directed uh, Youth, The Great Beauty. Um, He did the TV shows, or the TV show, uh, The New Pope. Oh, I guess TV shows, The Young Pope and The New Pope. Mm. Uh, so So he's a well known director. And the fact that his film, The Family Friend, according to you, Marcus, these are your words, harder harder to find than the other ones we'll talk about, um, it's a shame. So, uh, yeah. But to your point, yeah, the other ones, yeah, Lost in Time, which is a bummer with film festivals. Um, so, RIP to, to them. But the ones, are, yeah. the ones that are still in the public consciousness... Uh, the ones we're, go- we're going to talk about are Marie Antoinette, Volver, Pan's Labyrinth, Babel, Fast Food Nation, and, this is no spoiler because this is readily known, The Wind That Shakes the Barley, which was the Palme d'Or winner uh, that year. Yes. yes. 2006 Cannes Film Festival. 
Uh, all right. Um, I had not seen all of these movies, um, and all of them were like on my watch list, movies I wanted to watch. So I was actually pretty excited for this episode. Yeah. Um, getting to clear up a lot of blind spots thanks to this uh, little series we're doing in the middle of this. So at least it's beneficial for me. Um, if not the audience. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, before before I, I talk about what I want to talk about, I'll just say I teased this at the uh, start of the uh, last segment, uh, the, end, the beginning of the episode. Uh, I have another drink I want to open up here real quick. Uh, oh, yes. Yes, very exciting. After the rip-roaring <laughs> fun we had in the last segment with your last drink, I, I can't this uh, Fuck you. Okay, so I have something called... <laughs> I have something called June Shine, which I as okay. I as I say it out loud sounds offensive, but no, it's not offensive. Uh, June Shine is a get this and uh, reminder, folks. I'm from Austin, Texas. It's a hard hmm. kombucha, a hard kombucha, which I'm like, what, what? And uh, again, I'll remind the audience I'm from Austin, Texas. The first time I had a hard kombucha was at the Austin Film Society Theater. <laughs> the most <laughs> pretentious theater um, possibly uh, in the state of Texas. Um, I looked at the menu and I go, a hard kombucha. I tried that. It was delicious. So I went to my local liquor store a week later, found some hard kombucha. And I, I'll, I'll tell you this, not bad. Um, I'm going to crack one open now. Really? gonna give a give a give a sip here yeah so if you like kombucha i think you'll like this Uh, you don't like kombucha marcus i've had it once uh you know what no i'm thinking of something else i'm thinking of something else i don't think i've had kombucha um it's an acquired taste um it's almost like a a very tart lemonade uh, that's my review of uh, of uh, kombucha. Um, it has like antibody, not not antibodies. Like that can't be right. Like enzymes. It's like living. It's like, there's like bacteria in it, but it's good for yeah. you. So that's my take on this June Shine. Um, and I, I believe June Shine is the brewery, and this this particular uh, can I'm drinking is called Midnight Painkiller, which has coconut, pineapple, orange juice, and <laughs> nutmeg. <laughs> So, sounds fucking bad. <laughs> uh, Marcus, I don't know how kombucha works, but the one I had at the theater I just mentioned had mint in it, and I was like, "What?" Mm. It was like blood orange mint, yeah. and I couldn't even taste the mint. It just tastes like like kombucha. If you've had kombucha like <laughs> like on its own, you'll probably like hard kombucha because it's the same flavor. You can't taste anything else except kombucha. Anyway, enough of that. The movies. Marie Antoinette. Marie Antoinette. It's the first one talking about. Marcus? Yeah. Tell me uh, your thoughts right away, overall, on Marie Antoinette, the Sofia Coppola movie starring Kirsten Dunst. This was one of the few Sofia Coppola movies I had left to watch. Uh, I still have not seen On the Rocks or... uh, Whatever that one was about the suicidal virgins. The virgin suicides? Um, I always wanted... Oh, yeah. that Yeah, that's it. Uh, the I always wanted to watch this movie. I just never did for some reason. But I, I, Kirsten Dunst, one of the, one of the, my favorite actresses. Uh, the cast is stacked. There was something about it that like it looked really 
cool aesthetically to me. I liked the like splashy pink uh, advertisements for it, and uh, I, I would say that kind of lives up to the movie. Like it, it uses this like kind of weird pop punk soundtrack, uh, and doesn't try to be super historically accurate. Um, in uh, in basically anything it's doing, and it's cool. It's a cool, 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 cool movie. I I dug it a lot. Uh, the the thing I like most about Coppola as a filmmaker is that she her movies just kind of like this. This kind of sounds like a negative, but I don't think it is. Or like her movies feel like they kind of just sit there, yeah, and you just kind of experience them like they're not really uh in your face at all like they're not really trying to they're they're just they're just like being there and you're experiencing the vibes and like that is something i really dig about her movies and that's like especially true in uh my favorite of hers uh somewhere and marie antoinette has a lot of that um it's a very funny movie. It's a very sweet movie. Um, it's like really empathetic to its characters, uh, to like a, a woman for, who is basically known in history as like uh, somebody who, uh, as being very uh, kind of ignorant to the plight of the working class. Um, and it does not present her in that light. The, the the film even says flat out that that didn't happen and it's fake. The let them eat cake thing. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, just, I find Coppola's movies very uh, intoxicating. And uh, this was absolutely no different. Um, really, really liked it. And that, that, that cast, Marcelo. Oh, my God, that cast. Who dog? Just all-star cast. Um, I, Rip Torn. Uh, we have like Jamie Dornan, Rip Torn, Tom Hardy. For a scene, or Steve two. Coogan. Uh, I Alan Steve Partridge Coogan. himself. I do, bring up, I do have to bring up one uh, unfortunate um, uh, mark against this movie is that uh, it, <laughs> uh, they did cast uh, Molly Shannon. Uh, <laughs> but. It's, it's it's sort of understandable because it was probably being made at the you same time. I, I, tales, and maybe, maybe we 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 are the utmost professionals that you know. We almost just wanted to say you know fuck Sofia Coppola and Marie Antoinette. We were gonna boo <laughs> instead of talking about the movie. We're just gonna boo yeah. on mic for five minutes because Molly Shannon is in this movie and. We are firmly against Molly Shannon. We've said this on the show previous. This is not a bit. We are dead serious when we say, (laughs) fuck Molly Shannon. Uh, All the roles that went to Molly Shannon should have gone to... um, uh, (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) I'm in the same situation. (laughs) 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 It should have gone to the fantastic actress... Who got who got uh, 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 you know the, the wrong end of the stick? Who who really <laughs> just did Sherry O'Terry? Sherry O'Terry. Sherry, uh, Sherry O'Terry. Yeah, yeah. So like, oh, look, this is the only reason I'm able to give them give Sofia Coppola a pass here is Sherry O'Terry was probably 
tied up in Southland Tales. Now, look, I think she should have maybe pushed back her film and was able to be able to accommodate Sherry. But look, I can understand that's not always how Hollywood works. I mean, I so, mean, uh, look, I'll give it a, I'll, I'll let it slide. You know, I, I'm sure Sofia Coppola made uh, 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 adjustments to the schedule, you know, accommodated to Kristen Dunst because like, she's super busy, you know, doing the Spider-Man movies. But really, Sofia Coppola, come on, Sofia, you could have like pushed, yeah. you know, yeah. pushed things back or forth just to accommodate Sherry O'Terry, who really, I mean, we want to be dead serious about this. Sherry O'Terry should have the career that Molly Shannon got. It's yeah. unfair. Yeah. Okay, Sherry Terry should be in Promising a Young Woman. Should be in that one Netflix movie where she's the mother to the gay son, uh, Jesse Plemons. Speaking of Kirsten Dunst, mm-hmm. I mean, imagine that connection. I mean, come on. Uh, 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 anyway. But, but but all that aside, uh, Marcella, what what... I know you had a very interesting experience with this movie that just oh, yeah. kind of happened to line up. So uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us? So we uh, came up with this uh, topic. Again, if you listen to that first segment, and I don't know why you wouldn't have, because uh, why skip uh, ahead an hour into a podcast? But we did mention that you know we're not padding things out we're, we we're not like uh, uh, you know pushing back the final three chapters we're not just coming up with these topics on a whim uh, no 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 uh, anyway a week ago uh, Marcus and I were like what do we do next and then I was like I, I can't remember who said what I think you may have brought it up Marcus you're like oh maybe cons 2006 and I go yeah what 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 were they showing uh, during the 2006 con film festival? Lo and behold, one of the movies was Marie Antoinette. And as we're doing this research, uh, I was about to go see Marie Antoinette in a theater. My God, the same day we came up with this topic, I was going to see Marie Antoinette in a theater. Uh, It was, oh, I mean, me and Sofia Coppola, I may have said this on the show, maybe, or maybe on one of the commentaries. I love Sofia Coppola. She's, I think at this point in my top, five you know working directors like i i love her yeah. so much even though it wasn't too hot and on the rocks uh i can't wait for what she does next uh i think marine 20 is a five-star movie five out of five uh i was excited to see it to reaffirm that that suspicion that this is one of my favorites of all time saw it in a theater uh i had the most unpleasant experience watching this because oh, no. it's Texas. Uh, it's we are uh, yes, yes, yes. Larry, yeah, we are in the uh, high nineties uh, lately here in May of 2022, and the AC in the theater playing Marie Antoinette. The night I saw it was out, so there was no AC. I was uncomfortable Ugh. as hell. Um. And to make things even worse, I can say this because who cares? <laughs> Somebody who I used to date was the because I was okay. I was I went to uh, the draft house, which uh, does the, the you know uh, uh, the, the in theater restaurant experience, and the the servers go to you and take your order. Oh no! Somebody who I used oh, to no. date was the server that night. Uh, and I had a very awkward yeah, conversation boy. with that person uh, at the movie 
<clears throat> so, but beyond all that, hey, this says so so much about the movie itself. Beyond having no AC, beyond me, you know, having to awkwardly talk to somebody used to date, and also like having having to sit next to somebody who I think was on acid, <laughs> who acted really weird. <laughs> I can't even describe this person's like a uh, 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 situation. They left like halfway through. So odd. Beyond all that, I loved the movie. I loved seeing it on the big screen for the first time. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of Marie Antoinette. Uh, to your point, Marcus, earlier, like you know, talking about the vibe, I love that uh, aesthetic of Coppola's. I love Somewhere. Uh, that's also that, that's pretty much a five out of five too for me. Somewhere, um, and she does that here too. That sort of this this like celebrity life and how much of a of, of a drag it is at times because you hit a point where you're just hated <laughs> or you just hit a point where it doesn't feel right where there's malaise and you get some of that here you get a lot of that in a somewhere but like coppola just i mean she has lived that life as like you know the daughter yeah. of a famous you know director so she understands this perspective and she puts it um, into action in these films, and I think it works. And yeah, I love this movie. So that's my overall thought on Marie Antoinette. Uh, great movie. I don't know. Oh well, I kind of know why. You know, people in France would boo it at Cannes. You know, yeah. Because I mean, I I see it as like a, a positive portrayal, like that "let them eat cake" moment in the movie. I think is played well. So I yeah, it's not like a it's not like a negative stance on the 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 the, the character slash real person. Um, but that's how I feel. I mean, I, I don't know how anybody, you know, living in France, having a history behind that, you know, would react to it. So uh, I can, I guess I could kind of see why they would boo, but on my end as a dumb American, I'd be like, yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah. I, I, and to your point of, uh, the, how she explores that the, the themes of, uh, uh, celebrity lives. I, I, I don't think a lot of filmmakers like have the guts to do that a lot of the time. Like, uh, you know, we'll talk about him later, but like Gonzalo Senorito, he comes up with this like, fucked up weird story about shit he probably knows nothing about <laughs> and and uh but but uh coppola is a smart filmmaker and that she's like trying to uh kind of relate her own personal experiences like she, she didn't live in the 1700s or whatever but uh she does know the feeling of being a celebrity and like it, it, she feels very authentic to me I, I, that's basically yeah. what i'm trying to say yeah um and uh and like it in in a weird way it's kind of gutsy to like uh sit in your ivory tower and complain about how bad you have it but you know that's i i i respect that about her honestly yeah it it goes beyond just um being like a you know like yeah yeah like being in that ivory tower being this rich person who has nothing to worry about it like pushes that to the most reasonable end where 
you know, they're just, you know, hey, celebrities, they're just like us. <laughs> they have the it's same like problems. They have the same existential crises. Isolating experience. Yeah. 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 So that's what I love about Coppola, too. So, um, yeah, Marie Antoinette. Uh, I, hey, we, I just figured this out. So would you, would you uh, give this a standing ovation? Would you do nothing? Or would you boo this, Marcus? Uh, if there were claps happening, I would join in with the claps. Um, I would not boo. I might clap to counteract boos, uh, depending on how I'm feeling at that time. Uh, if I'm, if I'm feeling particularly brave, um, in all reality, uh, I would probably, uh, do nothing. (laughs) I I just got to stick in with the crowd. I'm not, I'm not going to boo against my will. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to call attention to myself in any way, Marcelo. <laughs> okay. And I, my answer would be... <laughs> <laughs> my, answer, my answer would be standing ovation. Absolutely. Great. If nobody else was Great. standing up and, and, and up applauding, I'd be the only one. So... I, I have been to one movie theater where the film got applause it, it, uh, at the end. What was the, what was the film? It wasn't a movie. It was. Uh, well, it wasn't it a movie. Was, no, it, it was the fiftieth. <laughs> it was the fiftieth anniversary uh, Doctor Who thing. <laughs> I, I went to that in theaters with some friends, and all the fucking nerds in the audience clapped at the end of it. Again, um, I, I have to I have to remind everybody. I live in Austin, Texas. I have a privileged life. The rent's too high, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm at maybe too many movies where people in the audience applaud because as soon as you said that, the first thing that came to mind was uh, back when Stallone decided to re-edit uh, Rocky Four. I went to one of those uh, phantom screenings or w- what do you call them at like Regal Cinemas? Those like fan events. Yeah. And my God, it's like I was at a literal boxing match. Like everybody was applauding <laughs> and cheering. Like what the that rocks? It, it was fun. Like you know, if it were like, <laughs> if it were uh, um, like I don't know, uh, what what's a movie where you wouldn't do that at? Uh, uh, if, if it was at Belfast, I'd be, like, annoyed. But it was Rocky Four, <laughs> So it, yeah, it, it was right. fun overall. But uh, but I, I people applaud. It, it, not that it's a bad thing for me overall, but I see that way too often uh, at movies. So we're, we're, we're more reserved up north here in Iowa. Uh, and here? Rare, a very, very rare thing. Oh, boy. Um, speaking of uh, movies, I have no good transition. Volver. Volver. That's the next Pedro one we're talking about. Almodovar. Oh my god. 2006. Of course it's 2006. All these movies are 2006. <laughs> <laughs> Penelope Cruz. Penelope Cruz. Uh, I went for its last time. Marcelo, you go. All right, I'll go. This is a favorite of mine. Um, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what do you mean? Is that surprising? Who could have seen that coming? <laughs> No, <laughs> me, me loving a Penelope Cruz uh, Pedro Almodovar movie, <laughs> especially this one with like an overhead shot of Penelope Cruz's boobs. I don't know. Um, listen, I've, I've, yeah, uh, that was pretty good, wasn't it? Listen, I've, I've actually talked about this before. <laughs> uh, not her boobs, but the movie uh, with um, 
uh, 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 talk from society. I was going to say cast member. That's not right. <laughs> uh, talk from society. My tour. Talk- Mark is serving. <laughs> um, Matt we- Curio. <laughs> Uh, uh, Manish Mathur, uh, uh, he and I talked about Volver uh, two years ago for the Talk from Society Film Festival, and uh, he wrote a great article, which which I should publish on the main site. We, we we published it on the Patreon two years ago, but he and I went in depth, and um, I I mean I've loved it since the first time I saw it, like on DVD. Like, uh, back in, I'd say, 2008, 2009 is when I first saw it. Uh, one of my first uh, uh, Pedro Almodovar movies. At this point, I was already fully in love with Penelope Cruz and loved her even more. After seeing Volver, uh, it stuck with me. And then seeing it again with Manish uh, on that podcast episode, again held up. And, and, and now it's, it's, it's still, for me, it may be my favorite Pedro Almodovar movie. I, I, I sincerely think so. And I think it has to do with just how powerful Cruz is in this movie and how like much of like how much of Amadovar is in it and how he plays with it being like there's like hints of Hitchcock, uh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock in it. Um, it's like a, there's a ghost story perspective to it. Um, of course, it's 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 uh, Pedro Amadovar, so there's like a mother daughter like aspect to it that's generational and that is 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 is, uh, beautiful to see and also just like all of a sudden it becomes like for a scene like it it it, uh it it gives like a great musical performance like it's not probably crew singing in that moment where she sings the song volver but still like just that moment is incredible in the movie and like uh pedro modover doesn't do that that often i don't think uh, or maybe not even ever in the movies I've seen of his, but it's incredible to see to see it in this movie. Um, so I, I do love this movie, um, and uh, again I, I think it is my favorite Almodovar. I think it's my favorite Cruise performance, um, and yeah, I, I I do think it's a beautiful story too. So um, there we go. That's my thoughts. Uh, those are my thoughts on Volver, uh, Marcus. I mean. What do you think of this? Have you seen this before? Is this your first time seeing it? This was a first time watch again. Uh, I really, really, really uh, enjoyed it. Uh, it's it's a very whimsical, uh, kind of weird movie. It, it's kind of shifting genres a lot. Like It goes from like comedy to drama to romance to black comedy uh, on a whim. And I, I like movies that can do that and do that well. And this movie definitely does that. Um, it's only my second Almodovar. Um, I, I saw pain and glory and now this, uh, I think I like pain and glory more, but it is a really uh, beautiful movie. I, 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 um, I, I, Penelope Cruz. Yeah. She is extremely good in the movie. The, the woman that plays, uh, the, the ghost of the mother, um, Carmen Mora. Yeah. She's, uh, also very very good uh, uh lots of very funny lines uh from her um it has a very interesting perspective on uh, death that i think is very touching uh it's something that i don't know it doesn't really exist here much in america really like it's like i'm 
you're either like there's like two sides of it. You're either dead or you're in heaven or whatever. Yeah. The the, the idea of like the the middle ground. Uh, that's more like a Japanese thing or a, a Spanish thing. And uh, I don't know. I I like it. I like it. I feel it's a very. It feels like a very spiritual movie. Uh, literally, but um. I, I I I was moved by it, um, uh, and I I definitely want to see more Almodovar. Like I, I uh, the the guy is clearly incredibly talented. He has a voice that I really love. Um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed this. I want to watch it many more times. Yeah, and this isn't like a um, slight against Pedro Almodovar, but like in if you pick like maybe any other movie like in this filmography Marcus like you'd get like the base you get almost the same theme of this um motherly uh generational yeah. like relation these relationships like this like right. generational trauma um and that's not a bad thing like that's just like i mean any filmmaker really deals with with deals with this like deals with like similar topics over and over um and like Pedro Modover like does it really well um and also just like the fact that um that ghost story aspect too it's like that's something like, like you were talking about like we don't see it here in you know in our culture but like speaking from somebody who is ecuadorian uh who has who like you know uh, not to say it's like you know a one-to-one comparison between us and you know people from spain but i see that that's like one one aspect of it that I relate to, that like in my family, it's not it's not that necessarily we believe in everything like that, but like there's there's some aspects of it of like you know ghosts haunting us or like this this like in between um, that's intriguing to me that I I know about just by living my life <laughs> with my family. Um, so all of that is just to say that and then it's not scary and then yeah, it's no, like yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's something like like they're always with you. Uh, I I find that very beautiful. Um, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. and uh, not to say that 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 theme you know runs through his filmography, but like, um, uh, I forget the movie I saw of his more recently, uh, Parallel Mothers. Yeah, I just looked it up. That almost yeah. has a similar theme uh, to this. Which which uh, the, it, 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 uh, I forget which one did you see other than Volver Marcus? Uh, Pain and Glory. Okay, yeah, Pain and Glory is great too, but I would also recommend Parallel Mothers. Um, uh, you, you should watch that. But really, again, any Almodovar movie you should watch, Marcus. But uh, but yeah, so yeah, I, I mean, I mean, what else can I say about Volver? I loved it, uh, Marcus. Uh, sh- should we give our ratings now? Um, I, I, let me let me go first since you went first last time. I will give this a standing ovation. Uh, yeah, so that's my score for Volver. Marcus, what do you think? I would give this a silent, thoughtful pondering. <laughs> so you'd be sitting in your As chair I sat again. there, sit through the credits, uh, think about the emotions. It's 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 arisen in me. the The ending of the movie is kind of it's very sudden. And doesn't really have much of a resolution, really. Maybe emotionally, but not uh, not necessarily plot wise, really. Um, where like Penelope Cruz just goes off to comfort her dying friend, and she doesn't. I, I don't. I don't feel like her and the mother ever really have that moment. I want them to, but I feel like that's something that would 
my thoughts on it would change with repeat watches. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Just in the moment, it was kind of like a little bit of a letdown, which is why I'm saying like, I'm not overtly like, yeah, or anything. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, hmm. And, you know, and, and thinking about his other films, he does, t- he does tend to do that where it's not necessarily um, like, uh, uh, what's the word? Like uh, uh, a resolution that's like entirely satisfactory. You know, but it's, yeah. it does make you think, though. And yeah, I, uh, uh, w- uh, when you watch it again, Marcus, I think you'll like it a lot more because I think it does work on repeat watches. Um, because hey, that Almodovar sometimes he's a trickster. Sometimes he likes to toss in those those twists and turns. And uh, first time viewing, you're like, "Well, what's he doing now? Oh, he's doing that. Okay, well, yeah. I think on repeat watches, I think his films hold up a little bit more because you you know already know the twists and turns, so. Uh, he's a pretty good director. I, I, I think, I, I think you'll like him uh, after you watch more movies, Marcus. That's, that's, that's my prediction. I agree with your prediction. <laughs> uh, let's move on to another film by a different filmmaker. What? Named Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> okay. Um, another Spanish film, uh, apparently. Another Spanish film. Yep. Uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, say the Spanish title. What? Uh, Labyrintho de, de la Fawn, <laughs> yeah, something like that. Close enough. El Labyrintho del Fano. Del Fano. Yeah, so Pan's Labyrinth. It is a movie. Yes. By Guillermo del Toro that many consider to be his, 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 his masterpiece, his, his shining example of his filmography. And I am one of those people, Marcel. Wow. I think this is Del Toro's best work. Uh, I don't want to say by far, because like, I, I also like really love... Um, it's like for completely different reasons, but yeah, maybe, maybe they're kind of similar. But like Pacific Rim, I really love Pacific Rim. Like the big, biggest, dumbest fucking action movie there is. Uh, but like there's a sense of... Uh, kind of playfulness with it. The, the Pan's Labyrinth also kind of has Pan's Labyrinth. It, uh, man, it's it's really good. It's 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 he follows. He he tries to make like a modern fairy tale kind of, and like he follows established ways that like fairy tales are that they're like actually very fucked up, like like old fairy tales are. Um, and uh, it's a very, very beautiful movie. The sets are incredible. The the way it's shot is uh, so good. The performances are amazing. I uh, the effects, the special effects work here is unbelievable. I, it's some of the best ever put to film. I think even even like even the parts of CGI, like and not even just the practical effects. I think the CGI looks incredibly good for two thousand six, and probably not even on that large of a budget. Um. Like he, it, this, this proves that he is an ex- like he is a very, very talented person who can do great things. I, I gotta be honest and say I don't haven't loved a Del Toro movie in a while. I, I liked Crimson Peak, and then before that, it's Pacific Rim. I'm not. I did not like Shape of Water. I didn't like whatever the other one was around that time. I oh uh, yeah, uh, Nightmare Alley. I didn't like Nightmare Alley, but. I don't know. I, that's I, I. I like like at times. I think of Del Toro as a guy who's kind of like 
I love his passion. I love his aesthetics. I don't necessarily love him as a filmmaker, but there's stuff like Pan's Labyrinth that I think absolutely proves that he can make something uh, transcendent. Um, yeah, let's go. Marcel, <laughs> let's go. Let's go, man. Um, I don't think Gamble de Toro has made a movie I don't like. Um, even Mimic? I, I do like that movie. Um, and I think the last time I saw it, I saw like the director's cut. And I was like, you know what? There's enough there where I like it. Um, enough of Dotoro. But I think Pan's Labyrinth is... I think, I think I'm with you. I think it is my best... Uh, sorry, his best. I think it's his best film. My favorite of his. I think purely because it has more Dotoro in it than the other movies. Uh, it's purely him, unfiltered. Um, yeah, and I'll quickly defend. I love Nightmare Alley. I really like Shape of Water. Of course, I love Crimson Peak. Um, and uh, but even those, I've had. I don't know. Like I, I hate to say this, but I think he works best like when he's doing something like Pan's Labyrinth or Devil's Backbone or Kronos. I kind of wish he would do another, you know, Spanish language movie. Um, he's doing Pinocchio next, which we'll see about that. Um, <clears throat> it's on Netflix. Uh, but going to Pants Labyrinth, I okay. I, I watched this this week uh, with a commentary uh, on the Criterion disc, and mm. I, I just love hearing him talk. I mean, he is just so smart. <laughs> right. He does the commentary by himself, and he fills. There's like no. There's like no gaps where. You know, he's like it, it's a it's a stream of consciousness from Del Toro. So I recommend anybody who has that disc, who has access to that commentary track, to listen to that, because um, it gives me some perspective on like his thought process of this. Oh, and this is something I wanted to talk about too. I love okay, I love that we did this, Marcus. This, I think this was a good idea, and I think I have to credit to you for do for coming up with this idea of covering Cons two thousand six because. Me having gone to a few film festivals over the years, I do love that like some themes arise from uh, uh, you know a, a selection of uh, the the film festival you know picks. You know, I th- maybe it's the thought of the programmers of like okay, you know uh, we've stumbled onto like this theme, so let's pick movies that fall into this theme this year. And in two thousand six, um, to me the theme. Having just watched, you know, these, you know, handful of movies, um, not all of them re- represent this, but I think, you know, connecting Pan's Labyrinth to Marie Antoinette, to you know, maybe uh, another one we'll talk about later, and then the other one we've talked about for over a year now, you know, this is five years after 9/11, we're in the Patriot Act years of America, and fascism. You know, on the rise. So, and also this, like, uh, you see that in Marie Antoinette, you know, obviously, (laughs) you know, Let Them Eat Cake and The Revolution. um, And you see it here in Pan's Labyrinth where we're in the midst of the Spanish Civil War. um, And Del Toro says that in the commentary, like, um, because The Devil's Backbone that came out in 2001, uh, that was set uh, at the beginning of the Spanish Civil War. And he thought to himself when making Pan's Labyrinth, oh, the progression uh, is, is, it makes sense. 
to set Pan's Labyrinth five years uh, later from when Devil's Backbone was set because we're five years removed from 9-11. So he had that in mind in making this movie. And it's interesting to see how all these filmmakers had that in mind, you know, five years into, uh, 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 you know, this post 9-11 world. So you definitely see that in this movie. And I think it's why I think it's my favorite of his, because he just goes for these fascists in a way like yeah. it's satisfying. Yeah. It's like inglorious bastards yeah, level by the end. I, I don't, I don't know the name of the actor, but like he, the, the, the main, the main captain or whatever he, he gives like, he, he is one of the best villains in any movie I've ever seen. Like he is so perfectly fucking hateable, but you love watching him. Sergey like, Lopez is, is like, his name. He does an incredible job. He does an absolutely incredible job. Uh, yeah, yeah, one of the most. Yeah, w- one of the most. Um, uh, he he has a hand in one of the most brutal deaths I've seen on film ever, uh, which is that yeah. that bottle to the face death, which uh, still haunts yeah. me. Yeah. Which, which I think yeah. even Del Toro himself tries to top in Nightmare Alley, uh, but he does not top it because this still takes the cake. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't remember what you're talking about, so yeah, it does. <laughs> in, in Nightmare Alley, come on, Marcus. Uh, yeah, what, what is it? I don't no, know it's it. it's okay. I guess spoiler alert, but who cares? When uh, Bradley Cooper. Uh, uh, kills that one guy at the end of Nightmare Alley, and he. And he punches him in the face several times, similar to how uh, uh, oh, the captain yeah. killed. Yeah, okay. Vaguely, re- come on, that. rewatch Nightmare Alley. God damn it! <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. So, so, yeah. Okay. So, one last thing I'll say. <laughs> uh, so, having said all that, I mean the 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 the, the fascism thing, the anti-fascism uh, theme here in the movie. <laughs> That's such a weird thing to say, being a theme. It's like it's it's it should be obvious that everybody should be anti-fascist, but that's not the case anymore. Um, I mean, I it's I think it's I think it's smart with Del Toro. This may be controversial, but like he doesn't he's not subtle, which is something I love about him. He's very in your face, especially with something like this where it is a fairy tale, um, mm-hmm. and you and you know who the bad guy is, you know who the good guy is. There is some, I know there's some, uh, um, there's there's some vagueness when it comes to the actual fawn. <laughs> uh, like, that's something that I've always thought about. And also Del Toro talks about it in the commentary of like, uh, um, should the girl believe the fawn, should believe the fairy tale, and the ending, the, and the fact that she like dies at the end, like, is that real? Is that fake? Um, all that I think is like uh, uh, interesting to talk about, but overall, beyond that, you know, it's it's a beautiful you know movie about combating that fascism and combating these people who are purely evil. So um, anyway, that's all I say about Pan's Labyrinth. I do love the movie. Uh, yeah. Again, I'm with you. I, I do think it's uh, it's probably the Toro's best movie. So there you go, Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth, uh, we dig it. <laughs> Oh, our ratings. Uh, I'm going to guess that we do not dig our next movie. But Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes Marcus, would you uh, standing Labyrinth, ovation this? Uh, would you sit down in your chair and ponder, or would you boo this? Uh, <laughs> um, 
you know what? If other people are standing up for this one, I stand up with them. Wow. This is a, this is a visual tour de force. This is a, a very emotional movie. This is something that would make you uh, get up and clap. But of course, uh, I was following in suit with everybody else. I uh, can't stand out from the crowd. <laughs> uh, Marcelo, you. Um, I would standing O this movie. I would give this a standing ovation. Three in a row. <laughs> Three, in a row. Three in a row. That's the turkey. <laughs> Wow, it's the hat trick, folks. I've given three. I've given three standing ovations. Uh, I mean, what if you could what what if <laughs> what movie? Could, I, <laughs> what movie no, could ima- I boo? Imagine, imagine this. Imagine, picture. Imagine this. the air conditioner was working <laughs> for what, and you just had a day. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. The air conditioner in the movie theater was working, and you just had a day where you went from Marie Antoinette to Volver to Pan's Labyrinth in the movie theater. Uh, you'd be in heaven, you, but 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 your your hands would be really tuckered out by the end of that. I think. <laughs> I mean, clapping so much. You know, as you know. Speaking of that, um, I'm sore. I would want to take a break from clapping, and I know exactly what movie to watch for that to happen. Yeah, where I take a break Bring from clapping. Back down to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Babel, directed by Alejandro Iñárritu. Uh, from 2006. Best Picture nominee. <laughs> Was it Best Picture nominee? God fucking damn it. Okay. <clears throat> Along with Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, yeah. Uh, who uh, who's who's talking about this first? I I forget. Is it me or you? Uh, this one is you. All I right. All right. So this movie, I uh, I was dreading to watch, and I've held off on watching it for years. And uh, I knew, much like death, I knew it had to come sometime. Uh, I knew I had to watch this movie. <laughs> and boy, uh, was I right about my hesitation on watching this. I did not. A movie. I did not enjoy this in the slightest. I, 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 and I could say it might have been because I was watching this on Pluto TV. And they, they, and if you don't know what Pluto TV is, oh boy, you should download it and watch a movie on it uh, because they have a good selection. Like they have, like surprisingly, I'm pretty sure a few weeks ago I saw um, uh, uh, Cecil B. Demented on it, which is a great John Waters movie for the first time on Pluto TV. But the thing is, they have ads and they pop in at random places. <laughs> At moments you don't expect an ad to be, an ad pops up, and that ad goes for about, on average, like a minute or two. Like, this was like watching terrestrial TV in, like, the year 2006. It was like going back and watching this movie on TNT, Marcus. Ugh. Um, but, but I, you know, I could say that would be why I don't like it, but I saw that. I, I, I saw a movie in that way. Uh, a movie we'll talk about later, and it did not affect that movie for me at all. That's a tease. So I'm not going to blame the commercials uh, for me not liking this movie. This was just like a cheap imitation of Traffic, a uh, classic movie by Steven Soderbergh. Uh, it, it, it has these parallel stories that are interconnected in the in the slightest way. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and I'll talk about this more about the next movie we talk about, but maybe it's just that I want, when a movie does this, when a movie presents us with like these 
separate stories that connect, you know, in in like very vague ways or, or you know, yeah. they're all like separated. I want a, a a theme to tie this all in, you know, to, to, to tie everything in. I want a bow, okay? And in traffic, yeah. I get that bow. That bow is fantastic. It's about drug trafficking and the in the uh, drug addiction crisis in America. It's a fantastic movie. In another movie we'll talk about later, I think it does that in a great way. But in this movie, what is this yeah. movie about? I don't get what this movie is about. And I don't I, – I, I, it's frustrating. I don't like any of these characters. I think they're all pretty much dumb. <laughs> Some of them are very dumb. Some of them are yeah. just unbelievable. I hated this movie, Marcus. <laughs> this is this is a movie I expected to hate. I wanted to like because uh, Inuyasha has made one movie I like. I do like Birdman a lot, but I admit that yeah. even Birdman has its problems. Where Inuyasha is such a I don't I can't I don't have the words to describe what I think of Inuyasha. I I think he's just too too high and mighty on himself where he he's, he's I, I, anyway, I, you know i'll stop the, talking to let you talk because i'm at a loss because i uh, i don't like babble at all marcus you talk about interatu the, the the word pretentious gets thrown around too much i think uh in film circles uh um I think is very often misused and I don't like to use it. God damn it. I kind of want to say it for uh, this man. (laughs) I don't understand. I'm with you. I don't, I don't really understand his voice. I don't understand his, his, what he wanted to say with this movie. They're the four stories. There's the, like three of them are about like kids in various stages of, uh, of adolescence and they're just doing normal kid stuff like, uh, you know, getting into firefights with the police or trying to get your dentist to jerk you off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Spoilers for bad. And luck. like, <laughs> and like, I, what the fuck is he doing? Uh, like, why is this happening? Uh, yeah. I just, I, I don't know what the fuck this movie is. Okay. Okay. I didn't, I didn't hate it as much as you did. I, like, I, I hate this thing. <laughs> fine. I think it's watchable. I, it's, it's like this weird, very over the top melodrama that has this air of seriousness to it that I don't think is really there. Like what happens is so unbelievable. Like it's a very, very cruel movie for, for reasons. I like, in ways it does not have to be uh the oh yeah you know okay oh man it, it's hard to talk about it's, i know it's a weird 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 movie and, I, and, I, 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 the, I i i realized that like uh we're now about an hour into the second segment and i think a fault of mine uh i i i, I take this on marcus is like in the last three movies we've talked about we loved them we didn't really dig into the yeah. plot but we just gave them like overall yeah. like general praise. I think at this point, oh, and you know, sure, sure, whatever. I, I do hope that like you hear us talk about those three movies, and if you hadn't, if you haven't seen them before, you check them out, and hopefully, we didn't ruin anything for you, right? We we, we didn't talk about the plot with those. This, I think, I feel like we need to talk about the plot more because, yeah, uh, it, it's something that like it's frustrating. Like like you said, it's I think it's cruel. I think it's. 
the connections don't work. Um, I, I, let me start with the Brad Pitt, Kate uh, Blanchett storyline, uh, which I guess is the main storyline. There isn't, it, it, there's, it, there isn't really a main storyline. Like they're just in Morocco on a bus for God knows why. They have a conversation at the beginning of the movie saying they needed just to just to go on vacation because I, I believe Kate Blanchett. It's it's like talked about very vaguely that she maybe had like a yeah. miscarriage or something. And they're like, let's just yeah, they're having relationship troubles. Yeah, they're like, let's uh, let's go to Morocco vacation in Morocco <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> And they're on a bus in the desert, and they and there's a shot that rings out, and Kate Blanchett takes a bullet in the shoulder, and uh, it's it's, I guess it's a cause and effect thing where this rifle that these kids got from their dad, uh, they were playing with, and they were shooting at this bus randomly just for fun, I guess, and they accidentally shoot Kate Blanchett, and that gun. Uh, used to be owned by you know this Japanese businessman whose daughter is super horned up uh, this <laughs> so yeah it is it's not legal I don't understand it's not legal to own guns in Japan there is you cannot this man could not have owned a registered rifle to his name. He could not have traveled across the world with it. They don't let you bring a fucking rifle on a plane. So, I mean, I guess that maybe they registered it in Morocco. I don't know. Maybe that's my answer. But it, it, the God, how the gun gets from him to there okay. doesn't make sense. It is the most tenuous connection of the three stories. Like the the other three stories are kind of connected, and then there's just also these Japanese people that are barely connected at all yeah exactly um anyway yeah yeah and then, daughter's all horned up she yeah. wants everybody to fuck her yeah which yeah I, I, you know and, in, in 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 another movie maybe that could have worked but it just feels very gross oh, in this who, movie who is the daughter uh, who is the daughter the daughter let me tell you is uh, i can't pronounce her name rin rinku kikikukichi uh who also yeah. starred in the aforementioned Pacific Rim. Yeah. And in there, she fucking rocks. I was excited to see her in this. And then I was disappointed with what the director and writer gave her. Oh, boy. What? Yeah. It's just, it's a very melodramatic movie. People are acting in ways that make no sense. And hers is the biggest uh, tribute, like the biggest offender of that, I would get, I would say. Yes, yeah. It, um, it's a frustrating story plot with her. Uh, she definitely deserved more as a performer <laughs> being in a movie that was nominated for Best Picture. Um, and then, and then, and then, um, that the, the, I think the one storyline that really just just pissed me off was the um, uh, the 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 kids of Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett uh, are being. Uh, nannied by this illegal immigrant who decides to take the kids as Kate Blanchett is bleeding out in Morocco, decides to take their kids from the United States to Mexico for a party. It's it's, it's super frustrating. Again, I don't like Dude. any of these characters. They're so dumb. They're very dumb characters. It doesn't make any fucking sense how uh, that, that, that she would let uh 
the very clearly drunk Gail Garcia Bernal try to drive them back across the border uh, in the middle of the night. Of yeah, that'll work out. Yeah, like it doesn't make any fucking sense. And then and then they get stopped by the fantastic uh, Clifton Collins Jr. Again, this cast is terrific, but they're given they're, they're, they're given shit. That's what I say. And, and through like a a terrible like very stupid series of events she ends up like in the middle of the desert with these kids one of the kids apparently was played by ellie uh l fanning who i just i didn't realize that was l fanning it's like what no i didn't either crazy uh anyway um that storyline is terrible the end of that is terrible handled again i think you said this earlier marcus cruel for no reason I I don't yeah. uh, I uh, it's I don't know and I think you can be cruel to characters and have it <laughs> okay here's my thought uh, I've seen this done better obviously in Traffic Soderbergh genius and then when you play with like this sort of like uh, playing with these characters who are do like, uh, run into these problems and make mistakes. It's done better in like a, in uh, when it's given to the Coen Brothers, like *Burn After Reading*, another Brad Pitt movie. You know, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't say you know it's not you know a one to one thing, but that is more <laughs> enjoyable to see, and that is has more meaning to it than something like this, where the characters make dumb mistakes, and it's meaningless. It's uh, it gives me nothing. There's I there's some sort of I. There's some sort of read on it, I guess, that like the wealthy white American family gets away basically fine at the end of the day. Like, I mean, they got, they got, one of them got shot and the other two were left to die in the desert. But, (laughs) you know, it doesn't seem like they're fine at all. (laughs) But they they do make it back. And then, like, but then the, the, the nanny gets punished and she is deported. Uh, the, 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 the kid is, and the father, the, the, his brother dies. His brother gets shot by the police. Uh, the Japanese uh, uh, father and daughter, they try to lead you to believe that the daughter is going to commit suicide. Um, she shot her. The mother shot herself with a gun. It's not legal to own a gun. Again, that's that. Japan. I, I do like that you're pointing that out, Marcus. I never knew that, so. I, yeah. I now, yeah, I, I, I'm with you with this frustration. Yeah, okay, okay. We should just skip to our rating because, like, again, we, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'll go first. Boo, boo, <laughs> boo. <laughs> I'm booing this. I, no, I just I quietly sitting. No, there, no, not really contemplate. <laughs> not not contemplating. I'm just kind of like, okay, whatever, man. That's that's like my my overall vibe is like whatever. I, I uh, uh, Marcel, I, I I this is I have to ask you this. I think something I thought of. Babel or crash? Oh oh boy. Well, <clears throat> that's a good question. Again, uh, two movies that really try to. Uh, again, I I I do want to dig into this. I think. I don't think Soderbergh originated this kind of story, but he perfected it in Traffic. Both uh, Traffic uh, carbon copies 
hard to choose between the two because uh, I'll give it to Crash. Um, Mm-hmm. The 1996 David Cronenberg crash. I'll give it to that. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, the 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 Paul Haggis crash because I okay for as much as I as I as I don't like Crash that that movie the Best Picture winner. Yeah, it does provoke emotion from me. It did provoke emotion from it me has, when I saw it. Like, it, it, but it it's it's, it's very moments, prodding. It, you know? I think it's prodding, and I think it does squeeze it out of you it gives me something other than yeah. pure hatred so yeah yeah babel gives me pure, pure hatred crash just annoys me so i'll give it to, to, to crash I'm with you i i agree with you there um yeah. but yeah uh well here let's let's move on to wait another movie. okay wait uh, did you give it a, a nope, rating marcus nope. you can't you can't yeah uh, I'm I'm just gonna be sitting there oh, thinking you. <laughs> uh, like oh whatever. <laughs> All right, fuck you. All right, uh, next uh, next fast movie. food nation. Speaking fast of, food nation, I believe it's my turn turn to start. Go ahead, Marcus. Uh, I'm just gonna steal Marcelo's whole thing. <laughs> this is another kind of one of those movies where uh, this is uh, uh, vaguely interconnected uh, stories about different people who are. Um, only connected in the way that like they have some sort of uh, hand in the fast food industry. We have uh, uh, illegal immigrant workers uh, uh, working in the factories. Uh, we have um, uh, teenagers working at the cashier level selling the flipping burgers, and we have uh, executive at the like a marketing guy, uh, Greg Kinnear. And, uh, I, I saw this movie, uh, back when it was relatively new, like on DVD 2007 ish or whatever. Um, and honestly it, it completely changed my life. I, I, I swear to God, I'm not joking. I, I have not eaten, uh, the big one at Mickey's even one time, (laughs) uh, since seeing this movie. I totally swore off Mickey's after that, <laughs> after seeing this. Now, for those who don't know, um, Mickey's is a fictional fast food restaurant in Fast Food Nation, and the big one is um, parallel to the Big Mac. So Marcus is making a joke here because uh, those. Well, it's not. It's not a joke. I haven't done. I haven't eaten the big one. I haven't I, eaten I, that I either because it's because it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this comes off as a more sincere. Less bullshit takedown of fast food than supersize me. Like supersize yeah. me is one hundred percent bullshit. It's been proven that like this guy like purposefully lived as unhealthy of a lifestyle as he possibly could just to make the point that you guys are dumb for eating this shit. And I don't necessarily think fast food nation like there are little bits of it that are kind of like that. Like Ethan Hawke's character in particular is like exactly that. Like his his problem is like fast food is stupid and you shouldn't eat it. Uh, and that's clearly the, the point of, uh, Richard Linklater, uh, here like that seems to be a stance, but, but he, he explores this in a much more interesting way. Uh, the, 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 the immigrants being, uh, abused in the factories and basically, uh, 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 being totally being taken advantage of, um, uh, the, um, 
that that storyline in particular i think works uh, a lot uh, I think it's a very uneven movie. It's a very weirdly paced movie. Like Greg Kinnear kind of disappears halfway through it and doesn't come back until the end. And like they spend, I think Ashley Johnson's storyline takes up way too much of a movie. It brings it to a grinding halt. I can't say that it's like a great movie, but I like what it's trying to do. I like what it's trying to say. Um, I think it's effective. Um, it, it 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 make you think a little, I guess. I I'm it. I, I wonder what your reaction is to the ending scenes, Marcelo. Because I got to be honest, I didn't have much of one at all. I I, I have lived on a, a a cattle farm my entire life, and I don't have much uh, of that empathy to i don't want to <laughs> come off like you, a psychopath you want to see them like, die <laughs> you want to see I those cows die. That footage marcelo I, I, the ending scenes where the cows get brutally murdered you got off on that and like their skin gets ripped off their bodies and ah. the guts are falling around i look <laughs> and that's what he leaves you with i i enjoy that I think it's a strong choice, but I'm, I'm going to be honest. Like it did not affect me that much. Uh, it didn't like gross me out in any sort of way. Uh, cause I do kind of live around that type of world. And, and, and my, uh, the, 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 my favorite uh, part of this movie, uh, uh, remind me who the, the old farmer was who the old, uh, Chris Christopherson, Chris Christopherson. Yes. I think, his scene is fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they really explore all aspects of the fast food industry. And I think, uh, it's an uneven movie, but, uh, there are parts of it that really stand out. Oh, uh, this is also just, just one final fact here. I want to say, go ahead. Lou Taylor Pucci is in this movie. Lou Taylor, Pucci. Lou Taylor Pucci, who plays Martin Kefauver in Southland tales. Oh, has there ever been an actor who has, been in competition for multiple movies at Cannes at the same year? I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Seems pretty unlikely. Interesting. He's got to be in a pretty elite group. We have to do... What's all your thoughts? We have to do some research on this. I I think we'll have to confirm whether Lou Taylor Pucci is in an elite class of actor who's competed in two movies at college in the same year. Um, Okay, my thoughts... Uh, remember when I said Sofia Coppola top five filmmakers working today? Uh, yep. Richard Linklater probably in that same top five for me. Uh, certainly top ten. And also for those keeping track, uh, Guillermo del Toro probably in the top ten, top fifteen. So <laughs> where's Almodovar? Uh, <laughs> Pedro Almodovar at least yep. top fifteen, top 25? twenty. Top twenty, maybe top twenty. Twenty, yeah. Uh, the Inaritu top. That one for sure. Top one. <laughs> top three hundred. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not listed, <laughs> unranked. Um, so I love Linklater, and this was a huge blind spot for me. Okay, there. Are, I, I have a. I have, I have plenty of Linklater blind spots. I'll say that for 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 me thinking of him as one of my favorites uh, working today. I have a. I have a lot of blind spots. So I was happy to cross this off. Of course I enjoyed this. Of course I'm totally on board with Think Later. I, I'm very biased. I, I mentioned earlier 
uh, like <laughs> I tried the kombucha beer at the the uh, Austin Film Society Theater, which he is the founder of. So that's my connection with Linklater. Like I'm I'm in the city like he resides in. Uh, having said all that, yeah, it, it, I it is a it's it's a messy movie, and considering the source material, it's based on a book that just lays out things very factually. Like here's what's wrong with the, with like uh, the fast food industry, and because Linklater is Linklater, he decided you know not to do this as a documentary. He decided to 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 do do this as a narrative film, and I think for the most part it works. Uh, I learned this week that Linklater is a vegan, and he's done PETA uh, ads. Like he's, it's yeah. it's it's the reason why he did this. Um, and having that viewpoint, I I get it. I respect that he's, you know, coming at this topic this way. Um, and I, you know, seeing Fast Food Nation, you know, uh, within a day or two of seeing Babel. Linklater does this a lot better. It's not anywhere close. It's, I guess, kind of. It, it's definitely closer than Babel uh, to Traffic is. You know, Fast Food Nation is closer to Traffic than Babel for sure, but it doesn't get to those heights. Um, but yeah, it, 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 uh, speaking to the ending where you see this brutality, where you see, um, you know, something. Uh, <laughs> I made the mistake of making a lunch uh, and sitting down to watch this, <laughs> <laughs> and then realizing, oh wait, I'm I'm about to watch Fast Food Nation. I'm sure there's going to be some you know PETA level you know cow murder in this, and there definitely is you know in the final uh, few minutes of the movie. Uh, I, I, I had, <laughs> I had beef today, <laughs> so I'm not gonna say this is a this is a life changing <laughs> movie for me. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it, it's tamer than it could be, but it is still kind of kind of raw and kind of rough. Um, yeah, but yeah, it, um, it's not life changing, but I think it's effective in what it tries to say. Uh, and, and like those moments, like like you said, um, Chris Christopherson is good in it. Uh, I do love Ethan Hawke in this. I do love that he has scenes. No, I, see, yeah, I, no, I, I guess I'm in. I'm in. Uh, I'm in uh, the opposite of you, Marcus. Um, Th- this is the least charming I have ever found Ethan Hawke, but, and it, it it brings me no joy to say. But that's the thing. I think. Oh, Bruce Willis is in this fucking movie. Yeah, I think Bruce Willis. His one scene in this movie, I think it's really good. Yeah, yeah, it's it, really it, good. Uh, again, this is Linklater. He's not the most stylish director, and you could definitely tell that with this one scene with Bruce Willis, which I think is shot strangely. Um, it goes with it goes for this like um, almost documentary style filmmaking mixed with narrative film which i don't think necessarily works it's uh, that the bruce willis scene in particular shot strangely but i think bruce willis is giving his all and i think he's really you know giving giving great performance in that scene uh, alongside um uh <laughs> the guy who disappears halfway through uh whose name i i i always uh, greg kinnear sorry greg kinnear greg kinnear uh, which which i appreciated because like it feels very real to me when Greg Kinnear, as this uh, higher up in the company who investigates why there's all this shit, literal shit, in the beef in this this uh, burger place chain, 
he invest he investigates this for half of the movie and disappears. <laughs> I think it's a beautiful yeah. transition of like, oh, the higher ups don't give a shit. They care more about their jobs yeah. than resolving the issue. Yeah. So they just, you know, they they just vanish. I think I I, I love that that it just his his uh, arc yeah, yeah. is just, no, just the way that you explain yeah. that to me. I like that. Yeah, but okay, so. The cast is amazing. Again, I'll, I'll just reiterate and say it's a messy movie, uh, and I think it is one of Linklater's. It's not necessarily his best, but it's it's a good Linklater movie, and and like for the most part, that's what I like about that's what I like about Linklater. He he tackles different subjects and different genres, and does it really really well. And that's my take on Fast Food Nation. I, I just want to quickly shout out. Um, I think. Uh... Catalina Sandino Moreno and Wilmer Valderrama. I think they're oh, both, yeah. uh, very, very good in the movie. I, very good. I, I, do, I do love that th- that storyline of these uh, yeah. illegal immigrants coming in, getting this job at this shitty uh, uh, factory where they're just killing these cows, tearing them up. Brutal. Uh, the, the 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 ending plot line, the, the ending uh, of that of that story arc of. Somebody, I guess this is a spoiler for Fast Food Nation, somebody getting grind in the gears of the machines and then somebody else having to, like, like, like uh, not work there anymore because he has, like, uh, drug addiction problems. All that was, like, brutal, but I think it worked yeah. overall more so than fucking Babel in, like, telling a story about an industry that's completely yeah. fucked. So, yeah. So it's certainly a fascinating movie, uh, and we have one more fascinating movie. We to have talk about Marcus Marcello. This we have to, Marcus Fast Food Nation. Oh, oh we have to give it a rating. Yes. <laughs> Marcus, would you standing O? Would you sit down and do nothing, or would you boo this? Uh, this is another sit down, quietly <laughs> ponder what I just saw moment. Um, for 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 as much take oh. a big bite of my hamburger, <laughs> take a big, and then everybody around you goes, "Where did he get that hamburger?" um there isn't a mcdonald's near anywhere near the cons film festival um oh uh, yeah i i i I think i made it i was trying to make a point but i got derailed obviously i do like the i do like that ethan hawk uh uh character and storyline because i relate to that storyline of him being i don't think he's essentially like a great guy ethan hawk playing this uncle uh to ashley johnson's character he he's kind of like me, where he's like <laughs> he's got he has these viewpoints of like being like a very liberal, very you know uh, uh, thought provoking, you know big ideas guy, and does nothing with his life, and like passes right, the, passes man. passes this on to Ashley Johnson, who does her own sort of like um, uh, radical uh, yeah, she, idea she thinking. Yeah, she, she tries. Um, I do like that because it it. It's it's it reminds me of like uh, Days of Confused and like those films by Linklater where the these youths of today or of like two thousand six they should be pushed to do something, but what does like but it's very hard to change the system as it is because it's been there forever. So 
us as people have to deal with that. So I, I anyway, that's my take on that angle, and that was my uh, sure. that that's my uh, coming at you with you not liking that angle of this of the story, Mark. We so. have everything working against us, and we will all die. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the wind that shakes the barley, Marcelo. Wait, did did, uh, did I say what, what I give it? I'd give it a oh, a no, firm. No, you were gonna a firm sitting in my seat. Polite applause, no standing ovation. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> okay, yeah. Hey, hey, buddy, cheers. Oh, it's mine, Marcus. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk now. The wind that shakes the barley, directed by Ken Loach, uh, starring uh, Killian Murphy, or is it Cillian Murphy? Marcus, you should know this. It is Killian. Killian Murphy from 2006. Do not disrespect my people, Marcelo. Oh boy, here we go. I, I could sense this. I could sense <laughs> this. This is going to happen. This is going to be a. De- I can't wait to get into Killian Murphy and and, and your thoughts on this. Uh, a war drama directed by Ken Loach, set during the Irish War of Independence and the Irish Civil War. This was the first time watch. Actually, the, these last three were first-time watches. It it it, uh, uh, it worked out nicely the the way we were talking about these movies. Uh, okay, uh, 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 macro thoughts on this: uh, the wind that shakes the barley. That title always turned me off. Uh, I I I looked at the and also the cover of the DVD. Uh, seeing it on the shelves back in the day always turned me off. So two marks against it. Sight unseen. The wind that shakes the barley with that cover. Yeah, it kind of sounds like where the red fern glow, yeah, glows. Yeah, kind of thing. With, like, it just reminds you of school. You don't want to watch that. Yeah, with the cover of like Killian Murphy holding a rifle with like uh, all this like uh, 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 foliage behind him. And like people on like uh, uh, grass hills, like what? Uh, it, uh, it doesn't appeal to me. Watching this for f- watching this for the first time on Plex with ads. <laughs> what? What is Plex? What? I had to learn that about. I, I had to learn about Plex this week with ads. Marcus, this movie is great. This movie is really. Good. <laughs> I I like this movie a lot. Uh, uh, I, I, I mean, we'll talk. We're gonna give our our own awards at the end of all this, but I can definitely see why the cons uh, jury gave this the palm door, uh, because this is a really solid movie. I, I and uh, it it definitely gives you this. Uh, it's not necessarily a history lesson, but it gives you a a greater perspective. Of what happened um, in this time frame between like 1919 and 1923 uh, with the Irish War of Independence mm-hmm. and the Irish Civil War. For me, it definitely gave me more of a perspective, <clears throat> let's say, compared to uh, Belfast, you know, mentioned an hour ago. Um, right. Because even with like Belfast, they touch on some things, they give you just like some hints of like what's happening outside the world, outside that family in Belfast. But in the wind that shakes the barley, they just put you straight straight into the shit. They tell you exactly why uh, people in Ireland were angry, why they went to war, why they went to war uh, against themselves, um, 
and it's compelling. It's it's a fictionalized account of what happened in the war. Uh, Killian Murphy uh, plays brother to um, somebody who, spoiler alert for this movie, who eventually he has to fight against uh, in the Civil War in Ireland. And it, I don't know, it feels very... Like, like, like uh, part of it feels very much like a a film you'd see like a, a you know a World War Two movie you'd see like in the seventies or eighties, where it's like very like um, exploitational, and like there's a lot of violence in it. But yet there are these scenes where it feels very authentic, where uh, Irish people are giving passionate speeches about why they should be free. And that also works too. So overall, I think this movie works. I'm glad I I'm glad that I saw it for this podcast. And again, I'll say again, I can see why this won the Palm Door because it's a very compelling story with great performances. Killian Murphy is amazing in this. I I, I do love this actor, and um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts because I know you're a big fan, Marcus. So I'm I'm going to tell this to you. So that's my overall thoughts on the win that chicks the barley, Marcus. It's your turn. Yeah, where do I start? Um, <laughs> no, this it it is a very very compelling movie. Uh, it's I, I I okay. I'll just say this: I had kind of a fucked up experience. Like you were watching it with ads on Plex, and I knew that was an option, but I was just like, you know what? No, I'm not going to watch this with ads. I, I want to watch this uninterrupted. I want to be fully immersed in it. Because <laughs> we started playing it, and like a minute in, I could tell I was like, no, I'm I'm I I want to watch this uninterrupted and so i went to itunes and rented it and man i don't know why but for the first time ever i had problems streaming video here and like the 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 video was like stuttering every couple minutes and it would just keep pausing and unpausing and pausing and unpausing it was exhausting and we watched the movie for like 20 30 minutes that way of like every time it started i would just back out and go back into the app and restart the movie um until eventually i got so fed up with it and so angry i was so upset we rented we went to amc plus and (laughs) got a month of amc plus and watched it through there with no problems so well, now you can watch Better Call so, Saul like, on there. I wish... Sure. <laughs> I wish I had that first... I wish I did not have that terrible experience in the first half hour. It was very distracting. It, it was definitely emotionally, like, uh, fucking with me. But, yeah, this is a very, very good movie. I can see through that. Um, I don't know anything about Ken Loach. I've never seen any of his movies except for this one now. Um... Yeah, it's a, it's a very politically minded movie. It's a very like a part of history that I would like to learn more about. I I I, I am technically Irish, I think, um, and the the culture has always kind of interested me. Um, uh, Killian Murphy, uh, he is an actor that uh, I absolutely adore. Uh, he is one of my favorite actors ever. Uh, you've been talking about top fives all this all this time. I'll say Killian Murphy is top five actors currently working for me. Uh, in large part, that's uh, to uh, the credit of Peaky Blinders. Um, of course. Uh, great show on Netflix that I wish Marcelo would watch. I'll watch it eventually. Uh, I'll watch it eventually. 
there's a lot of like it's a very politically minded movie. There's a lot of like mm, expositiony scenes of trying to just explain what's happening to the in the greater war effort, but I don't think it gets totally weighed down by that. It's definitely not a movie on the scale of a, a saving private Ryan where you're like yeah. really in it. And like, things are really brutal and stuff, but like emotionally it is still a very, uh, brutal movie in the, like, like the scene where, uh, Kelly Murphy's character has to kill, uh, uh, the one who leaked information. Yeah. Um, uh, it is, he's Killian's tremendous in that scene. Uh, it's the scene of the movie. Uh, it's the, the, absolutely the standout. Um, and he has a fantastic line. Uh, I hope that the Ireland we're fighting for is worth it. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful scene. Uh, it, it's, it's a good movie. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah. I'm not super over the moon about it like I was hoping I would be, but I did like it a lot. Um, uh, uh, a little fact, uh, Ken Loach, he's one of seven directors who have won the Palme d'Or twice. Yeah. Uh, he won it with uh, I, Daniel Blake six years ago as well. Um, Wait, you said one of seven I... filmmakers? Yes, uh, one of seven different filmmakers. Wikipedia says one of nine filmmakers. So oh. one of our facts oh, is wrong. Um, oh, I got it from Wikipedia too. I must. I'm just probably wrong here. Wow, it's fake news. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not too familiar with uh, Ken Loach either. Uh, this may be my first Ken Loach movie. Um, but again, like it, it was interesting to have that viewpoint of like, oh, again, the title, the cover. And this movie is like far beyond. Maybe I, I'm, I understand why the title is the title, "The Wind That Shakes the Barley." I think it is from like a uh, a, a well-known Irish, I guess, song or yeah. or, or folk poem, song. Folk song. Yeah, yeah. Movie. But maybe the title put me off. But you know, beyond the title, it is again, like I said, it's a very good war movie uh, with like this heavy weight of this very real struggle for Ireland, which like seeing it now and still knowing that a lot of the troubles that they went through are still happening now with, with the terms of like Irish independence. Um, And in that way, it feels like a very radical movie. Like I wouldn't be surprised if this movie was very uh, divisive. I, I, I guess I didn't look into it, but yeah. And, um, and and like I said before, like that the aspect of uh, fascism, you know, comes into play with like Marie Antoinette, Pan's Labyrinth, and this movie where you have like it's a very brutal moment at the beginning of the movie where uh, this 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 uh, group of like Irish people are just like playing a game uh, out in the field, and all of a sudden they're interrupted by these like British troops. Who just brutalized them and you know it's 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 i can it's like it's something you'd see from like a, a world war ii movie where i didn't realize like it was that extreme and i t- yeah and it gives me a new perspective on this on this war it's it's got that great thing that any good war movie does where you get the 
that uh, band of brothers feeling like the every, yeah. like the people here they feel like they're really banded together uh fighting for a cause that they really deeply believe in and it feels like the filmmaker is on their side um yeah band of brothers is a good empathizes with them good example too yeah uh yeah. the wind that shakes the barley uh so should we rate this we get this we gotta rate this marcus i know you don't like this so yeah <laughs> so yeah. would you give Look. this a standing ovation would you sit down and ponder not do anything be a coward or would you boo this <laughs> I'm giving this one the standing ovation. Oh, you're giving this wow, standing ovation. I'm I'm going for it. I'm just going for it. This is this is I'm letting my hair down. <laughs> uh, I don't care if I look like a, a fool. I stand up and I clap like a seal. <laughs> like a seal. Uh, <laughs> Marcelo, your you your reaction. I you know, I I would uh I was hesitant to give this a full standing ovation. I would start clapping in my seat and then if like you're sitting next to me and you stand up i will stand up and clap with you so uh if i see the the you know if i see the crowd you know going towards the standing ovation i will do a standing ovation i won't initiate the standing ovation i'll clap first but then i'll see if my peers start to stand as well yeah, I, I, and now you're starting to get to, into my mindset, I think. Yeah. Uh, you're starting to become uh, – <laughs> you don't want to create over – over. <laughs> like, you don't want to create too much uh, attention on yourself. You want to <laughs> remain uh, in the crowd. Uh, yeah, it um, – uh, no, I'm giving this one the full uh, – the famous cans 37-minute long – uh, clapping session that happens at the end of movies for some reason. Um, at, I mean, uh, famously, uh, uh, we talked about this two hours ago with David Lynch. Uh, he got booed for Wild at Heart and uh, Fire Walk With Me, but he had a great standing ovation for uh, the two episodes he showed at cons of uh, Twin Peaks The Return. And I, yeah. I forget the length of that, but you have to think I, uh, when wh- when do they stop? How long? It's like, are we still clapping here? What's going on here? Are we going to do this for twenty minutes, thirty minutes? I don't understand it whatsoever. I, I cannot get into that mindset <laughs> at all. <laughs> I, I truly, that is like nothing I have ever experienced. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Maybe one day we'll experience that ourselves, Marcus. But for now. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll go to Cannes one day. Yeah, we'll, yeah, uh, we're gonna make this promise next next year. Did this movie deserve to win the Palme d'Or? Next year we're gonna f- we're gonna record this episode. We're gonna record an episode at Cannes. That's we're gonna promise. <laughs> we're gonna promise that next year we'll be at Cannes. Uh, oh, okay. So, d- did this movie deserve the Palme d'Or? After everything we've seen, is this the movie that gets it? Now we also have to talk about what we'd give awards too yeah yeah we're doing our own awards yeah right sorry i didn't so, want to get ahead of it okay uh, yeah, but, uh, you lead this okay myself. quickly i'll just say the jury for the main competition uh i'll give some oh, yeah. i'll give some notable names uh helena bottom carter uh monica bellucci uh samuel jackson uh tim roth uh zhang ji uh star of a crouching tiger hidden dragon uh, and the jury president, Wong Kar Wai, uh, fantastic director. Uh, well, 
who who of those people do you think liked Southland Tales? <laughs> gotta be obviously, gotta be Wong Kar Wai. He 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 had to have been. You think Wong Kar Wai? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, listen, fellow jury people, we must vote for Southland Tales. And Sam Jackson was like, "Oh hell no!" <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, I, I, I was gonna I say know. Tim Roth. I think he's a weirdo. He he would have he would have dug it. In in all honesty, I think maybe Samuel Jackson would have like uh, uh, liked hmm. Southland Tales. I think so. I, th- I think he's very open minded, very cool dude. Um, yeah, I don't maybe not Monica Bellucci. Maybe Helen Bonham Carter. She's a weirdo. She used to be with. Yeah. Uh, she used to either be married to or be in a relationship with like uh, uh what's his name tim burton so i don't know but uh did not win anything south end tales unfortunately uh before we reward our rewards and before we talk about the palm door i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about what won awards other than the palm door let me fast forward to that so yes the palm door went to the wind that shakes the barley uh best director Went to Alejandro Inaratu for Babel. Uh, I don't understand why. Mm. Uh, it's not a good decision. Mm. Best screenplay, Volver, Pedro Modovar. Mm. Uh, best actress, it's a one, two, three, four, five, six way tie for the stars of Volver. Uh, for best actor, it's a one, two, three, four, five way tie for uh, Days of Glory, a movie we did not see. And the Prix de Jour, which is the jury prize, uh, went to Red Road by Andrea Arnold, a movie I wish I would have watched, but I did not see for this. Uh, so that's what won yeah. at cons. Southland Tales won nothing. Yeah. So, Marcus, here we go. First off, it wins our hearts. Sixteen years later. Yeah. First question: Did uh, the win that shakes the barley deserve the palm door? Marcus, what do you think? I think it did. I think it did yeah. as much as anything else here. Um, yeah, you know what? Frankly, I I probably would give it to this one. Yeah, I I I, I, I see your viewpoint. I, I get it. I mean, I do think it's it's a very very well made film. I would yeah. honestly. If I was being honest here, from the ones I've seen, including Southland Tales, I would give the palm door to Pan's Labyrinth over... Okay, including Southland Tales. Including I didn't South- take that into account. We have to include uh, Southland Tales. I would, I would give it to that. I would give Wait, it you to give that. it to Southland Tales? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again, your favorite movie of all time. <laughs> I was just thinking of the six. I was just thinking of the six that we saw here. We, okay, uh, of the six, you'd give it to the win that shakes the barley. You said Marie Antoinette. But from the six, from the six, I'd say Pan's Labyrinth. I'd give the Palm Door to. You say Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. I, I, I would. I, I'm willing to come over to that side. I, I yeah, Pan's Labyrinth is something truly special. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know what? Yeah. Fuck it. Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. Okay, from the six, ex- excluding Southland Tales, because with Southland Tales, you'd give it to Southland Tales. Okay. Um, so that's our thoughts on the Palm Door. Uh, yeah. Okay, now we should just give our own awards. Okay, best uh, screenplay of the ones we've seen. Uh, should we include Tathan Tales in this? It's up to you, Marcus. But uh, screenplay, what do you think? 
No, we're just going to keep it to these six. Okay. Two of the six, excluding South Tail. So four of the six we've seen, yeah. best screenplay. What do you think? <sighs> you know what? I, I, agree with, I agree with who got it. I'm saying Volvir. Okay. Okay. Uh, I am... You know what? I'm with you. I'm going to go Volvir as well. Best screenplay. Volvir. There you go. Congratulations, Volvir. You won it again. Uh, best uh, actor of the six we've seen. Best actor. Marie Antoinette Volvere, Pan's Labyrinth, Babel, Fast Food Nation, Barley. Best actor. What do you say? I would give it to uh, Killian Murphy. Uh, I'd give it uh, yeah. best actor, Killian Murphy. What do you think? Same wavelength there, but uh, strong, strong second mention, I would say, to... Uh, Whoever that guy you said earlier from Pan's Labyrinth. Yes, yes. The one who played the general. Um, okay. So, best actress of the six... Uh, Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. I would go for... Gotta go with my heart on this one. Penelope Cruz. Best actress. Uh, wow. I get And wait, look. Yeah. Apparently, we can just do ties. So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's it's say, a tie. Uh, it's Kirsten Dunst and Penelope Cruz. They share the award. There you go. Uh, best director of this of these six movies. What do you think, Marcus? That's tough. Best director. Tough. Hmm. Again, the jury at the Cannes Festival gave it to Inuratu for Babel. So consider that. Certainly not going to do that one. I have my answer. Should I give my answer first? Yeah. I'm going to go with Sofia Coppola for Marie Antoinette. Uh, it's, it's stellar. I, something I should have mentioned um, when we were talking about the movie, it gives me uh, Barry Lyndon vibes. Um, and if anything, that's, a, that's, a, an, that's an accomplishment. It's an accomplishment to be compared to Stanley Kubrick. So for that alone, I got to go with uh, Sofia Coppola, best director, Marie Antoinette. I I am in agreement. Okay. We're giving the Palm d'Or to Pan's Labyrinth. We'll give Best Director to Sofia Coppola. There you go. Wow. So that was our... And now, of course, yeah. if we include Southland Tales, <laughs> it's everything. <laughs> okay. There we go. Southland Tales wins Palm d'Or, Best Director, I, I, Best Actor, I, Best Actress, I, I, Best Screenplay. Screenplay, yeah. Screenplay especially. Uh I had one final note about when the shakes the barley that I forgot to bring up. There were like five times in the movie when somebody clearly just fucked up a line read and then restarted. Yeah. Oh, okay. And they kept it in the movie. So, and I thought that was kind of fascinating. You no, know, I, I I do like that because it, again, it's something that grounds it into reality. Like, of course, these people are going to be passionate. They're not going to be. I mean, you're listening to this podcast, listeners. Have we been articulate the whole way through? No, we've messed right. up words. That's how people talk. So it, it it almost gives us like a documentary feel of like what what it would have been like to be in those scenarios where these people give these passionate speeches and they mess up. Obviously, how are they not going to mess up? Because yeah. they're just making up words as they go they're not reading off of like a, a, a you know a speech they've written no they're just being passionate they're gonna mess up so i think that was a great thing to see yeah i'm with you i, I do like that aspect of that movie where it's obviously a flub 
and maybe I, I I'm I'm pretty sure Ken Loach was more like oh it's a flub we're just keeping it in like it's it, it, yeah. I'm sure he didn't plan those maybe he did maybe it's a genius move but to have actors like really just like fuck up lines and keep it in I think it's really good yeah it, frankly it worked it, it did work I'm fully with you okay Marcel uh, this was our can episode. Uh, discussing the year that was 2006. Wow. And, and much like, uh, I mean, if you listen to this, the day comes out, it's at the tail end of the 2022 Cannes Film Festival. Uh, everybody gave a standing ovation to the new George Miller movie. They gave a standing ovation to the new David Cronenberg movie. They gave a standing ovation, to, standing ovation to the new secret David Lynch movie. Uh, yeah. what a year it was in 2022 and what a year it was in 2006. What a year. Uh, and happy anniversary Southland Tales, uh, for the disastrous cons screening. Um, did it deserve it? Oh, that's that. Oh yeah. The, the final question I, I tossed to you, Marcus, why do you think, or do you have any idea why the people in the cons audience booed? Southland Tales. Marcus, your thoughts? It's an incredibly dense movie. It's hard to get on your first try. Uh, I can see just being confused and not wanting to give it the credit that uh, I think it is due. And uh, just saying, uh, you know what? Fuck you for making me watch that. It's a long movie. It is a very dense and weird movie that asks you to get on its wavelength. And if you don't want to do it, then you're probably going to really hate it. Like I, I only see this movie as... You love it. You hate it. Uh, there's, I'm sure there are people in the middle, but uh, it feels like a very love it or hate it thing. Um, that's my serious answer. My joke answer. Um, it's like, it's like uh, Marty McFly saying, uh, you know, your kids will love it or whatever. You're not ready for this, but your kids will like kind of love it. Uh, and then playing, uh, playing the uh, rock and roll. Okay, my joke answer first. Rocking out on the guitar. <clears throat> my joke answer first. Hey, uh, people in the cons audience, you got a bug in your ass. Uh, what's what's your deal? Uh, do not like Dwayne the Rock Johnson starring in a in a in a movie about the end of the world. That's too opaque for even us to handle. Like in. One episode of one podcast, we have to drag it out for 20 episodes at this point coming up on. Uh, but my serious answer is, yeah, I, I, I think I read today that some of the visual effects weren't completed. Um, no, they weren't. Yeah, they, no. Marcelo, not to give it away, but you're going to see the incompleted special, incomplete special effects if you watch that can cut. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so I can't again. The, I uh, that's going to be a few episodes from now, but we're going to do uh, a deep dive on the cons cut or like a commentary. I forget what we're going to do. Um, okay, so I'm going to expect that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just the fact that all these preconceived notions of like Richard Kelly coming in with his sophomore movie, uh, I can sense that people in the cons audience had their knives out already. Like they wanted, I, I I could feel like they were chomping at the bit for something to hate. This fucking American is sophomore effort. He thinks he can come here. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so fuck the cons. One audience. goddamn movie about a rabbit, and he thinks he can come here to France. 
he thinks he can premiere that rabbit movie at the Sundance Film Festival, get a, you know, get a claim, then come back here years later for a two and a half hour movie starring a wrestler and the star of a TV show by the Vampire Slayer. How dare he? Right. Starring Sherry O'Terry. We hate Sherry O'Terry. Give us more Molly Shannon. Exactly. Molly Shannon. <laughs> Molly Shannon. That's what they were cheering at the end of Southland Tales. No, I don't get it. I mean, I get it, but hey, history won. We're doing a Southland Tales podcast 16 years later. <laughs> So we yeah, won. Let's see somebody do this same shit with the wind that shakes the barley, okay? <laughs> do twenty episodes. Well, on I mean, that. I mean Marcus, on. for for all for can't do Marcus, it. for all honesty, who else is doing any? Who else is talking on a podcast about what, the wind that shakes the barley? Who other than us? <laughs> we no one. we did no it. One. No one. <laughs> it's one eighteenth of this episode. <laughs> but we and. Uh, <laughs> I think we talked about. Well, we like the movie. I think we talked about the wind that shakes the barley more than anybody has on a podcast in the last ten years. <laughs> I'm going to bet that <laughs> podcast from twenty years ago. Uh, it was all the rage. Exactly. Rick, uh, the Ricky Gervais show. We're talking all about wind that shakes the barley twenty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's the show. Any last thoughts on the Cannes Film Festival? Uh, 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 anything, Marcus? Any last thoughts overall before we wrap it up? Uh, I just I can't wait until they invite us, Marcus. <laughs> they're gonna, I, they're I surely we're gonna have a great time. They're surely going to invite us after listening to this. Yeah, after this nearly three-hour episode that we're going to release, <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I did. <laughs> this is poorly planned on our part. Um, oh boy! But uh, maybe we'll take a break after this. <laughs> maybe you'll. Get... <laughs> hey, folks listening! If we take a break, just know that we gave you a solid month of May episodes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're gonna come back strong. <laughs> Uh, but we might come back next week with like more <laughs> Richard Le- Richard Kelly uh, uh, influence picks volume two. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Patreon.com slash talk from society. Follow Marcus at gunk blader. G U N K B L A D E R. Uh, that's it. Uh, Marcus, this is it. Cons is done. Yep. Oh, uh, last question. Uh, who, need to, oh, oh. who do you think was is going to win the Cannes 2022 Film Festival, the Palm Door? I think uh, I think the winner is going to be us, the audience. <laughs> so uh, that wraps it up for us. Uh, we want to wish you a, a very Christmas. have a nice a podcalypse. <laughs> Have a nice apocalypse. Thanks, everybody. Bye.